Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to the Tuesday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am joined by a first timer. Very excited. Follow his work for years now. He does all kinds of NFL work, especially 49ers, which Evan Swords of 49ers have, is going to love discussing on this very podcast because there's a lot of Niners stuff that we got to hit. But it's Eric Crocker. Eric, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for being here. And as we mentioned, as he's here every single week, Evan Swords. Evan, good evening, sir. How are you? Good. You said that so solemnly, like it was like a, a sad moment to, to have to admit that I'm here. Croc, no, it is. Uh, it is an absolute pleasure. Uh, you know, I, uh, for the people listening, I have uh, me and I followed Croc. Uh, we followed each other for a long time, and I yeah. basically like, you know, I, I I sometimes remember how old I am, especially on Twitter, when I think about like your career and like what you've done from when I used to follow, like the beginning when I followed you to now. It's like. <laughs> it's been so dope to watch it go from just being like, yeah, I mean, I used to play football. I like the Niners. I like talking about it to like small little empire building. And it's dope. Yeah, I, I guess it all. I don't know, man. I, I forced myself into a corner and was like, hey, this is what you enjoy doing, you know, and this is what your passion is. So you got to figure out how to turn it into, you know, uh, uh, basically a career. You know what I'm saying? Like, so. Uh, yeah, that's what I've done, man, and and it's pretty cool, you know, to talk about sports and and pay the bills and and do all that good stuff. So it's it's fun, man. How was the transition for you um, from professional athlete to Ooh. podcaster slash media personality? Man, great question. Uh, well, one, I still don't look at myself as a media personality. Like I just look at myself as I like that's just croc. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but. Um, I have done some fun stuff with the media being credentialed like through the 49ers and stuff like that was a cool experience. Uh, I, I guess transitioning, it, it's tough for football players because, you know, I played football for a majority of my life. And then all of a sudden one day it's like, oh, I'm not going to play anymore. And you have to figure out what's next for you in life. And when you've been so used to a set, you know, kind of structure of how to do things and, and following the schedule of, you know, the offseason work, whatever, to now – your response, you you have to figure out what it is that you want to do. Like that that was a tough transition for me, and really was something that took kind of a few years. And I kind of fell into podcasting and and film evaluating and things like that, uh, which really I, I guess it all kind of started with the 49ers, where uh, back in like 2016, 2017, people would talk about the cornerback play and I always get defensive of cornerbacks. I know how difficult of a position it is, but I would record like uh, Rashad Robinson or Dante Johnson and just, you know, kind of break down like a certain play. And now, it's, you know, it's crazy because we see it everywhere. But when I first did it, it was just like with my phone to the TV <laughs> and I would just kind of put out a tweet like, well, you know, this was going on. This was going through his mind. And now, you know, there's there's a lot of content creators that put out video work and stuff all over. But, uh, yeah, that, that was kind of how I, I, I really kind of got started with everything. And now it's kind of grown to where. Like I said, I'm I'm able to provide for my family and everything, so it's it's pretty cool. What is the um like when uh, quarterbacks? I think see, we just have so many different quarterbacks who are an analysts now. We have a lot of offensive linemen that are now analysts, but we don't have as many cornerbacks. So like, 
when you're in I, I'm curious because what what do you see when you're watching film like what do you see specifically that other position groups don't notice or even just people that dedicate a lot of time to film like as someone who has played the corner position for as long as you have and played professionally that like what do you see that catches your eye usually that other people don't notice at first what are you where are your eyes what are you looking at are you able to read what kind of route a certain receiver is going to run or how a cornerback is going to defend something or is he going to drop back into uh, different types of coverages based on his positioning like how does that work for you each play yeah I, I can see you know a lot of those things I, I think the thing that stands out to or not stands out but the thing that I'm my niche is is really more so of like talent evaluating so for me, I, I'm able to see right away, like, what's difficult and what's not, like, what's easier for a guy to do or what's, you know, like, simpler or uh, what's harder to change or, or improve on. I, I can see those things with receivers and defensive backs right away. Now, it, even though I can see it, I, I might get wrong it, the consistency in which somebody might be able to do those things, but I can evaluate that right away and really know, like, what might be tough for someone to improve on or, or you know, and to improve his game at the next level. So I think that's probably the thing that jumps out to me the first and foremost when watching any film and kind of really being able to know what that player is going through, whether it's a receiver or a corner. I know, like, how that corner made that receiver feel or how that re- receiver made the corner feel and what was going through his mind. I'm able to see those things right away. So who do you who have you been enjoying the most this season who who has popped the most that uh, you've enjoyed watching oh man I, i've loved this so there's a couple guys Jalen ramsey i always love watching him mm-hmm. just because of how his approach to the game and how he carries himself uh, confidence at the cornerback position is a big thing and i don't think there's anyone more confident than than Jalen ramsey now there's all the corners around the league, they're they're extremely confident. So mm. I, I I watch a killer with a spoon break up a pass and he's flexing and stuff. People are like, why is he flexing? He shouldn't be doing that. But you gotta understand, like corners, you just have like this different mindset. Mm-hmm. But even Jalen Ramsey, it's it's just it's on ten. Yeah, it's on a different level where he really feels like I'm the best player on this field and and he has that approach. So it's been interesting watching him. But then also Jamar Chase mm-hmm. because Jamar Chase was a receiver who I thought would struggle with creating separation. I knew he could win vertically. And once, and he won vertically right away, right? We saw that jump out mm-hmm. early in the season. He's catching bombs. Teams start going to too high, and all of a sudden you see his numbers drop down. So my thing was, how is he going to figure it out? You know, how is he going to figure out to be able to win without the vertical ball? And I think that's that's been the thing that's been intriguing to me to see him just try to try to figure it out on the fly and win in different ways and still be productive. So Jamar Chase, I think just seeing how his game is going to evolve into a guy that can be like a high volume target guy that that's been something that has been like fun to watch throughout this year. What have you enjoyed? Oh yeah, go ahead, Evan. I was just going to say, it's interesting because like when you look at the cornerbacks in the draft, right? Like JC Horn, probably, you know, the, the more, uh, one of the most prolific and exciting uh, cornerbacks to come out of the NFL draft got injured. Right. So like, I think there was, there was a really exciting corner class that came out. And uh, it kind of, like, before the season could even really get rolling, I feel like it took a big hit. Yeah, you, well, you, you, you lost him. You do got Patrick Sertan. And I think uh, Sertan, he's been doing an excellent job as a rookie. Even for someone like him, he's a 6'2", 208-pound corner with freak athleticism. But I, I didn't think he had the best set in this. I think his technique was really sound and consistent. And I thought he would win that way. But I thought he still might struggle with, like, off coverage. Because for guys that are, like, taller and bigger – and have like they're not as sudden with their movements 
playing like off coverage in a defense that you know the Broncos run like that could be difficult for a guy like him. And I think he's transitioned much better than I expected in the role that they have him in. Now J.C. Horn, he was a guy who, it, you know, it was just his the way he carried himself, almost like that Jalen Ramsey mindset. And mm-hmm. I thought like that's what's going to carry him to be a good player. Like now he works hard, he trains hard, he does those things. Obviously the NFL pedigree with his dad being Joe Horn, but. Uh, just watching J.C. Horn and, and again how he just approaches the game and and the mental mindset and the makeup and the alpha mentality, I, you know I, I remember back at his pro day when they talked about Patrick Sertan and the numbers that he did during his pro day, and they asked J.C. Horn about it like, hey, did you get motivated by some of the numbers that Sertan did? And he's like, nah, like I'm the standard, <laughs> like I don't care about what <laughs> you know what I'm saying. And that to me, I was like, oh man, I love this dude. So yeah, now J.C. Horn, he's the man. Can't ho- hopefully he recovers. From that uh, that that foot foot injury. Hmm. What did what did you enjoy more, man, press man, or did you enjoy zone coverage a lot more? Oh man, because okay. man, at the end of the day, with man coverage, it's me versus you. Yeah. You know, so so it's either I'm going to win or you go. <laughs> but, but so but you're in control of your own destiny mm. with zone. You know, it's you're, you're off. Yeah, you can read concepts. Okay, like how aggressive should I be? Should I drive down on this? Should I not? Am, am I trying to play it safe and catch the ball in front of me? You know, squeezing two to one on on certain concepts. Like how quick to it do I have to be? And then defenses based on your your coverage. Guys like Kyle Shanahan. What makes him really good is yeah. putting guys into a a bind. Like like knowing how to utilize your zone rules against you and putting you in conflict. You know, those things can happen in zone. But when it's man, unless they motion down to like a tight split or bunch formation. It's just me versus you. So I, I always love the challenge of that more so than anything else. Is it tough for corners to accept that they might just be better uh, better suited not to play press man at all? Uh, Yeah, there are some guys that really feel comfortable being yeah. off. I'd say more the fleet-footed guys. So like Greg Newsom, yeah. uh, he, he's a guy out of Northwestern. I loved his film. He probably had the most... The best, most versatile film that I saw from a guy who was just as comfortable playing off and challenging himself from an off, mm-hmm. like even challenging the spacing of receivers and like trusting his feet yeah. to do the work for him. And and he was just as comfortable playing press. Hmm. So uh, it's interesting to see some guys like that, whereas like a J.C. Horn or a Sertain, maybe not as quite as confident playing off. Clearly, Sertain has adjusted, you know, just fine. But uh yeah, that is that I, I, you know, that is one thing that kind of goes through your mind as far as playing press, playing off stuff like that. Okay, well, but we'll get into the Niners. Guys at, know that though. Guys know what they're good and good at, what they're not. Yeah. So typically, if you see these guys go do one on ones, more times than not, they're going to line up in press because they know that's their bread and butter. Is it something that you can get better at as you get older? Or is it something that pops early on? It's like if you're going to be good at press man, you're going to be good at a young age. Oh no, you can always improve. I think okay. sometimes with guys that are kind of the bigger, longer corners, or uh, let's say like a Richard Sherman, mm. the thing that's going to help you the most is really your anticipation. And your anticipation comes from understanding route concepts and what you're going to get. You know, if you are if you you know, you know have a a guy uh, from the two spot running flat out right now, you know you're probably going to get a dagger concept. So you mm. can kind of uh, be ready to squeeze that in-breaking route. And, you know, just understanding the concepts in that way will help you be able to play faster from off coverage and and take away some of the guessing and now you're just kind of reacting because you understand it more. So Richard Sherman, nobody does it better than him, being able to understand route concepts to where 
at an older age, coming off of a, tor- a ruptured Achilles, mm-hmm. he was able to still be an all-pro corner because of that. Who do you think is the smartest corner right now? Oh, the smartest? I don't know. That's tough because mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to tell there. now. Yeah, he's, it's a, hard. he's not as physical, but he's Sherman's yeah. still there. It, it's hard to tell now because it's just so hard to play cornerback. So it's hard. You know, every time I watch somebody, somebody's getting beat. But I'd say uh, we'll talk about a younger guy who I think he gives up a lot of yards and he's going to give us some plays, but he makes a lot of plays. It's Trevon Diggs. Mm. Like, clearly his mind is in the right spot for him to get those 11 interceptions. Like, that's not an accident. Now, he also has got beat a ton, but, you know, I think you'll take those 11 interceptions over him giving up, you know, the most yards in the NFL just because it's, it's a lot of what he does is more calculated risk. And at times, his aggressiveness might bite him in the ass, but at some point in the game, he's going to make a play that's going to really change the dynamics of the game. So uh, I, I like where his mind's at now. It's just kind of sometimes, you know, just get more comfortable and clean those things up. I can't wait to see him in year three, year four, year five and where he's at. I think he'll clean up a lot of the areas where he's getting beat right now. Mm. Do you think Do you think that, like, in terms of, like, oh, you talk about intelligence and, like, how they can react and things like that, do you think this surge of more mobile quarterbacks now, this, like, dual threat uh, quarterback has really, like, challenged the cornerback position, whereas before with the Peyton Manning or, you know, Philip Rivers, they knew, right, like the routes were going to be the routes. You have to defend that. But now you've kind of also got to worry about the quarterback. Does that change things? I think it – it's just – I think there are two different things there, right? When you are playing against a, a Tom Brady, a Drew Brees, a Peyton Man, those type of guys, they beat you before the snap. So that's right. tough, right? So you know I got to be on point with how I react, how I challenge guys, maybe disguising things a little bit more pre-snap and then giving a different look post-snap to maybe try to slow him up a little bit and get him out of rhythm. Uh, those are things you kind of want to do with those guys. When the, the guys that can, like, are a little bit more mobile and are uh, more of what I like to call, like, the playmakers, like the Josh Allens, like what we hope Trey Lance would be, or, you know, Russell Wilson, those guys, they're kind of more second reaction type quarterbacks. So they're not even so much – they'll look at a, a, a first read and see, it. okay, is this what I like, looking to that side of the field? If it's not, they're looking to make a play on the move. And then that's tough because now you have to kind of plaster to a guy. And I've seen routes. I think I just saw Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup ran like an over route and it was locked up. And then the and then the quarterback like moved and he's on the same page with his with his quarterback. So he just goes the opposite way. Now he's wide open. Quarterback hits him. It's a big gain. And I bet everybody's looking at the corner like, man, this corner sucks. Like how you do that? But it's like Man, that wasn't like a design play, and those things yeah. are really tough to, to, uh, tough to defend. So I think there's a lot of that going on in the NFL right now, where plays are being really extended, guys are being asked to cover longer, and it's really tough on the back end guys. Huh, that's interesting. Um, last thing, and we're gonna talk Niners. Um, AJ Terrell. I've got to watch a lot of AJ Terrell. I enjoy having AJ Terrell on my football team. It's pretty great. It's pretty great having AJ Terrell as uh, my corner of the future. Um, he's not targeted at all. P- teams are not challenging him. They understand where he is. At year two, are you surprised he is this good and this dominant uh, for the Falcons? And do you think this Dean Pease defense is a better scheme fit for him than what Dan Quinn was running last year? Yeah, well, if, if if I'm not mistaken, then you can correct me if I'm wrong. His rookie year, they asked him to do a little bit more. At some point, they asked him to do a little bit more like shadowing guys, kind yeah. of following guys around a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that didn't work out as well for him. So this year, they've gone more towards, hey, you play this left side of the field, 
you lock that down and you do your thing, whether it's zone, whether it's man. And I think he's having between him and Darius Slay, mm-hmm. two of the guys that are having like some of the best year at cornerback, not giving up a bunch of yards. I think they're holding guys to like 30 yards a yeah. game or something like that, something crazy like that. They're not really giving up the big plays and they're doing their job and they're and they're playing sound. And I, you know, I watched AJ Terrell have a two to one read interception on on Mac Jones. And, mm-hmm. you know, I talked about the anticipation. That was a crazy kind of, interception. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's essentially kind of a cover three mm-hmm. look or whatever look it was, but it was a two to one read where you got one guy going up the seam, you got the other guy sitting down. Okay, I don't have to worry about this underneath guy. I gotta worry about this guy screaming up the seam. And Mac Jones just never saw him. And he was able to make a play on the ball. Uh, in, in, in the air. So, you know, just to see him, you know, doing those things. I liked him at Clemson. I thought he challenged receivers. thought the game against uh, Jamar Chase mm-hmm. in, in the national championship game or playoff game, whatever that was, I think everybody's going to look at Jamar Chase's numbers and be like, oh, man, Jamar Chase kicked his ass. And, and if you just look at the numbers, you'll say that. But when I looked at that with a matchup, and if you just go, like, rep for rep, like, target for target, I thought it was pretty even. He challenged mm. him. He broke up a bunch of passes. Uh, there was game. There's plays he got his hands all over him. Chase couldn't even get in route. Yeah. Uh, but then he also, you know, gave up the big plays, which is going to happen when you're shadowing guys that are really good and really talented as well. So uh, I like AJ Terrell. He's a guy that I'm, I'm I'm really high on. There we go. I like it. I like it. I feel good. I feel good. Um, one of the few things I feel good about this Falcons defense at the moment. I, I'll tell you what. I don't feel good about the Falcons. Uh-huh. Those two forms are atrocious. Wait, I'm which ones? Someone, the, the, the new ones. ones. I, I, just, I, I just don't like them. I, I, yeah. I'm usually someone that. Like I like new jerseys. I like mm. new looks. A lot of people kind of like the older looks and things yeah. like that. Um, I I try to give everything uh, like a chance. I'm very optimistic about new looks and, and trying to be different. Mm. With that being said, the Atlanta Falcons, I I just can't get with them. I, I I've tried. That's fair. I've tried to like them, and I'm just like uh, when they first came out, I was like, okay, it's different. Okay, I think I like them, but I I, I don't. Well, does it help that, like, we have the better alternatives just sitting there? Like, it doesn't help when you remind folks that, like, the ones that they wore on Sunday, which are my favorite and, like, what I grew up with, um, those are better. And, I mean, the best is the red helmets with the gold uh, line down the top and then the black uniforms and the white pants. Like, those are those are top-notch. Like, the, the old-school Falcons logo, the Super Bowl Falcons logo with Jamal Anderson uh, and company is – that's the GOAT, but – I don't know. They, for whatever reason, like uh, they like this current one. The, the worst is the two tone one. The the red and black with that blend. That that's a rough one. The all white's clean. I like the all white um, with the silver face mask. I, I do like that one. Um, I think it's always going to be mm. when when I think about like exciting new jerseys. I think about that white Michael Vick jersey. Mm. From, you know, however many years ago. And that was like one of like the, the more dynamic change NFL jerseys long before the Seahawks decided to have that ugly color. Um, <laughs> and I think whenever I see these new jerseys, like whatever color it is or anything like that, it reminds me that it's not that at all. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it, it is what it is. I, I'm more concerned about the on the field product and our insane <laughs> uh, point differential. Like we're the biggest, fra- we're the most fraudulent uh, 500 football team in the NFL. And it's just, we're the, I, I, the way I look at it now, uh, having watched a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers this season too, is we're the Pittsburgh Steelers, the NFC. We're like somehow, if you look at the record, you're like, oh, they're having a decent year. But it's like, well, no, we're, we're beating the teams we should and getting the brains beat in by the Chiefs and the Cowboys of the world. Like it's it's not a real thing. Uh, the Falcons have no business being in the playoffs, just like the Pittsburgh Steelers. But a team that I think does have business being in the playoffs now might 
be in the playoffs with a different quarterback, potentially a rookie quarterback. Evan, walk us through what's going on with Jimmy with his thumb injury. It's Trey Lance's time. You lost to the Titans, your best friend's team, a few days wow. ago. Where are you at with the Niners? What uh, what happened in Tennessee, and what are you what do you make of the Jimmy injury? Yeah, so I mean, first and foremost, there's so many rumors and things spiraling right now with the Jimmy injury and what's going on there that I will say um, there's a lot to be said. But in terms of like, let's start with the Titans game. Obviously, uh, there's been a few times this year where I looked either in person watching them lose or, you know, the game in general, where I walked away going, I don't know how this team competes in the playoffs, right? When they lost against the Colts, right? That was a big one. Um, when they lost against, uh, you know, Colt McCoy in the, in the Cardinals, that was another game where I'm just like, I just simply don't know how they, they went in the playoffs. But they, pers- you know, continue to, <laughs> to win games and, and keep themselves in the hunt. Um, with Jimmy, Jimmy has probably the worst game of his, you know, not kind of his career, but definitely the worst game of the season throws two picks. Um, they lose to the Titans who they should have beat, put them in a situation now with their backs against their wall. You know, they don't have to win out necessarily, but they absolutely, uh, have to win at least one game and they have to have some things fall their way in terms of having teams win and lose. Uh, the Dolphins, uh, beating the Saints was one of the things that they did need to happen. So absolutely, they are going in to probably make the playoffs. But here's where it gets interesting. Um, previously, uh, unreported. <laughs> and there's so many things. I don't even know where to start. Um, let's start with the fun stuff. Um, you know, once again, I am not a reporter. I'm not an insider. I am really just a dude who comes on this podcast because I love the 49ers. But I will <laughs> say this. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have I've heard uh, that there's a lot of things going on with the Jimmy stuff. I have heard uh, that the injury, um, you know, might, I don't know if it was not disclosed, uh, but it definitely wasn't being discussed from Kyle Shanahan's perspective, right? The game ended. They talked about plenty of injuries. There was definitely things to talk about. Kyle never mentioned it. Uh, yesterday, we, we kind of got a – uh, I, you know what, honestly, was that today or yesterday? Because uh, time is spinning. Yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Monday, yeah, Monday. Yes, Monday. Yesterday, we almost got, like, the Osama bin Laden press conference, like, notification was, like, in an hour, Kyle's going to speak. We don't know about what. And it was, like, super dramatic, and everyone was like, what's uh, going on? And then they announced that, uh, you know, the Jimmy was not at the facility, yada, yada, yada. Everyone was making jokes about how he got left behind in Tennessee <laughs> after the John Lynch tweet. Yeah, shout out to Kirk Cameron. Like, right? Um, uh, but to sum it up, Jimmy was apparently, uh, during the Titans game, landed on his thumb or was kind of uh, landed on a defensive end on his thumb and has a sprained UCL um, and apparently might have actually tore something as well. Uh, there's a lot of uh, discussion right now what that means. It could be a week. Uh, it could be for a long time. What I will say is this, uh, and me and Croc talk to the same people, uh, the people that me and Croc know and me and Croc talk to, this is not where this information came from. But I will say this, uh, I did hear uh, that Jimmy's done with the 49ers, very, oh. very, very specifically, um, and that he won't be playing uh, at all. Uh, for the so we've seen the last of Jimmy in a Niners uniform. Absolutely. Um, oh, man. 
there's a lot of fun stuff going on right now. But, you know, let's just talk about the injury. Let's not get into rumors and gossip because I can't really confirm anything. Um, but, you know, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy is absolutely not playing next week, which means Trey Lance is up. Um, Trey Lance, in his last showing against the Cardinals, really had a weird game. 16 design runs. Um, he basically ran the ball more than any of the running backs combined and, uh, you know, about as many pass attempts uh, or pass receptions in the game. Um, so he's Trey Lance is going to be playing uh, against the Texans, which are a bad NFL football team. Uh, not against your fighting Justin Herberts. <laughs> not against your fighting Justin Herberts, which let's let the let, let the record show. Right, right. Well, let me, let me say this. And I, and I, I want to get Croc involved, but I will yeah. say this. I've said on this podcast a million times, and this will be me repeating it a mm. million times and one. This NFL season is the weirdest season I've ever seen in my entire life. Every good team is losing games that they have no business losing. Uh, it's happened all year long. It's happened in college. It's happened in the NFL. I don't know if it's COVID. I don't know if it's just, uh, you know, some kind of curse. Uh, but, yes, the Texans did win. Uh, they beat the Chargers. That will not be happening again this week. The Texans are going to get stomped <laughs> out by the 49ers. That's not my homerism. They yeah. are a bad football team, and bad football teams don't win games against good football teams two times in a row. Um, <laughs> Croc, what is your thoughts, though, on this whole Jimmy situation? Where do you think Trey's at? I mean, I don't want to give you like so much to just run on a tangent on it, but definitely do if you want to. But like, where's your headspace right now? Yeah, so I – I knew that there was something going on with the quarterback position. I got a text message from my, my, my buddy, Greg Pinelli. And I guess I could talk about this because everybody knows about this stuff now. But Sunday, I got a text message from him saying, hey, Tyler Bray, who my, my guy, Greg, he trains quarterbacks. He's trained Josh Allen. He tra- tra- trains uh, Tyler Bray. Now, Ball Tyler for Bray, life, Tyler Bray. I have his jersey in my closet. I wear it to a bunch of games. He's my favorite Tennessee quarterback of all time. I love Tyler yeah, Bray. So, so Tyler Bray. So he trains Tyler Bray, but now... Tyler Bray hadn't played this year, so yeah. he's been so he's been uh working under my guy Greg, right? So Greg gets a text message from Tyler, 49ers hit him up. Hey, they need you to come in and, and work out. Are you ready to go? He's like, Yeah, I'm ready to go. So he calls so Greg goes and works with him. So they didn't know why. They didn't know, you know, what quarterback it was or if it was COVID or whatever, but they knew there was something going on with the quarterback position and that, you know, he had to go out there. So once I saw that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't at the facility, I knew, like, okay, so it's 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 Jimmy. I just thought it was probably COVID or something. Uh, clearly it wasn't. It's his, it's his thumb. And I think when you look at the situation, it's really unfortunate for Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, a, a guy who – and Tyler Bray, by the way, I think he's signing with the 49ers, so it'll probably come out tomorrow. But um, Jimmy, it, it's tough. I think for a guy who – plays well he's in a tough situation because I, I think he would have to play lights out to quiet the noise when you have a guy that you drafted number three overall right maybe if he just had the season that alex smith had uh when they drafted mahomes you wouldn't hear so much about trying to put a young quarterback on the field but i think with and and, and the 49 fan base is kind of split there's some guys that are so pro Jimmy or so pro Lance, I'm like in the middle where I really don't care. And really at the end of the day for me, it's really more like it's all about Trey Lance and just the development of him. So if that means that Trey Lance, uh, you know, plays right away, okay, whatever. If he doesn't, okay, well, if he doesn't, okay, Jimmy, just do your thing. And I think from that standpoint, Jimmy 
he was a little too up and down for my liking. I think when you go into the season saying, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo is our starting quarterback, you are expecting a, you know, uh, 12-5 and five season or, you know, 11-6, and six, w- you know, whatever this new schedule record or, you know, how many games yeah. you play. But you're, you're expecting, like, like the 49ers to legitimately be a contender. And I think for most of this season, you've been – like so up and down with the 49ers on what they were. They started two and four. Obviously, uh, Trey Lance had a hand in uh, uh, the loss to the Cardinals, but you you look at it overall, and I'm like, this is not what I expected from Jimmy. So if they're going to be a middling team, they might as well play the rookie and get him ready because Jimmy's not going to be here next year. So do you let him just, I don't want to say sabotage the season, but do you let Jimmy just be like, well, we're a very average team. We get bounced out first round. <clears throat> And all right, see you guys. <laughs> you know, or do you say, let's get this young guy the reps that he needs? Now, also, I've heard that Trey Lance was really up and down in practice. Now, we have recently heard that, uh, you know, the reports coming out, he's been good over the last month. So I don't think that had anything to do with him starting this game and, and the whole thing with Jimmy. I think Jimmy is actually hurt. I think it's just unfortunate that these injuries continue to happen to Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I like Jimmy, but. Once they drafted Trey Lance, the, the, the writing was on the wall with what this situation was going to be. I like what you said there, too, because I think that's actually a really good, met- not metaphor, but just comparison in general. When you think about Alex Smith and the year that he had, you remember when he played the Colts in the playoffs, right? And Alex Smith probably had one of his best football yeah. games ever. One of the most exciting games from Alex Smith. I mean, he was straight up haymaker after haymaker, like it was a Rocky movie, just Back and forth. You don't you don't think about you know uh, Alex Smith putting up forty points and going toe to toe with another quarterback like that. You right. think of leaning on the defense, uh, right. leaning on a run game. But that game, I mean, he had to put up a ton of points and he put them up. They just barely got edged out. And that's the thing, though, the defense failed them. But for Alex, Alex went into the game that mattered most to them in that playoff game, and he. You know, he swung for the fence. He did his job. He did more than his job. And he came away kind of like an unsung hero, right? He earned the respect. Whereas I think Jimmy, you you know, we know what happened in the Super Bowl. So Jimmy's coming back after that Super Bowl loss, after that injury year. And he doesn't have the same respect amongst fans. Not that it's like, oh, they don't like Jimmy, but they like recognize where the limitations are. And then you get Trey and it's just like, you know, it, it, he's already got one foot out the door well, on the fan base. And I, I, I understand, you know, you know me, I'm like one of the biggest Jimmy defenders that exists. But I can understand where the fans are. It's 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 like this, man. If you, I feel like people learn how to treat people sometimes, right? So you talked about some of the fans kind of, you know, disrespecting Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit. I, I think the disrespect starts at the top. And then the right. top taught us how to, treat Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Kyle Shanahan went out and looked into all these different quarterback options, whether it was Deshaun Watson, Matthew Stafford, and some other names that were thrown around, then traded the house for a young quarterback, right? So basically, you're saying, like, yeah, I'll put up with you, but I really don't want you like that. So the fans really took on that mindset. Well, if Kyle doesn't want him, but okay, he has to play him because the young quarterback's not quote-unquote ready yet, well, it's only a matter of time until he is ready. And in the meantime, like, Jimmy, you're just kind of keeping the seat warm for now. And, and then when you look at how he played, you talked about the, the Titans game being his worst game. I thought I thought the Bengals game was his worst game. Now, obviously, it ended extremely well. But for a team that 
the 49ers did not turn the ball over. They actually forced two takeaways on punts that set up short yardage situations. But outside of that, the 49ers couldn't really muster anything up offensively. And a lot of it I felt like was on Jimmy. So, you know, when you have a, a bunch of moments like that where you're like, man, well, do the 49ers have to run the ball 40 times with Jimmy at quarterback for them to win a game? Look at it from that standpoint. It's like, well, you can't help but kind of want to see what else is out there with the 49ers, uh, especially when you have that young quarterback. So I think for Jimmy, it was a tough situation all the way around. But I don't think that, regardless of what they say in the front office, I don't think he handled it the way that most people were expecting him to. Look at, again, uh, and, I'll, and I'll stop, but the Kansas, back to the Kansas City Chiefs situation, Alex Smith. Alex Smith had his best year. Statistically, everything. I mean, it was far and away the best that Alex Smith had ever played. We didn't get that from Jimmy Garoppolo this year. No. We, Regardless of what anybody says, it's been very... Up and down, very like when you need plays, you're not getting them, and then oh, he'll he'll finish off a drive extremely well at the end of the game, and I think that's what people hold on to the most, whether it was against the the Packers or against the the Bengals or even against Tennessee, the last drive to go down, and people are like, well, it's not his fault. Look, he he went down the score. I'm like, man, what about everything else in between the the, the game? Where Why did they he's need not, that drive? Yeah, he's not doing things to really help you win games. So. Uh, there was enough up and downs for people to kind of really start to jump off the bandwagon altogether. And uh, the tough thing is now you got a rookie quarterback who is going to be expected to play at a high level and carry this team into the playoffs. And they, they need him to win games. Do you think – who do you think stands to benefit the most on the offense with Trey Lance in? Like, does it, how does this affect Debo? How does this affect the running game uh, to this point? Because – obviously the the difference between having Jimmy Garoppolo under center versus the rookie and Trey Lance and just their skill sets and what they're able to do. Do you think this affects anyone on offense more than other, uh, like in terms of playmakers? I think it should help George Kittle. Okay. I think it should help George Kittle because a lot of times a, a tight end is a young quarterback's best friend. You look at, you know, a lot of quarterbacks early on, like who are they throwing it to? They're throwing it to that tight end because he's the nearest guy to them. I think the guys that it hurts the most is probably the outside guys because how the 49ers offense has been structured for the most part, a lot of timing and rhythm. And with young quarterbacks, especially like a Trey Lance who, you know, is coming from FCS, he's not exactly sure what he's looking at. I think the rhythm and timing can be thrown off a little bit. Now, again, we'll see how he has improved since his early starts, but his his plays that he makes are probably going to be more on broken plays, and that isn't how the 49ers receivers have been winning. So that's one thing that's going to be interesting to see, you know, how efficient is he purely from the pocket and just making plays from that standpoint, uh, but it's different than what they're used to and really what they've kind of been prepped to, to you know, do well in throughout this season. So, yeah, I, I think the receivers can – it can kind of hurt them a little bit. I am curious about what you just said there. So obviously, you know, you came from a small college, right? And then you go into the NFL. You're you're playing for the Jets. You're playing with Rex Ryan, one of the one of the more impressive defensive coaches at that time. That AFC Championship uh, that they went to twice was because of that defense. I think that's safe to say. It's obviously not the same as the quarterback. Quarterback's a different position. But what do you think the process looks like? for Trey coming from a small school, going to the NFL in terms of learning, grasping the speed, the, the complexity of everything. Do you think that there's a possibility week 15, week 16, wherever we're at now, like has he progressed 
a significant amount just by sitting and learning and watching and reading and, and, and all that. Like, do, what do you think he looks like now compared to week one? It, it should be somewhat in, improved just because he knows more of what the offense wants from him. He understands the offense more and his reads and where he should throw the ball, and he's probably more comfortable with that. The thing that's still going to be tough is – you there's no experience for quarterbacks like live experience in games when you can get hit when you can get knocked on your ass and seeing you know the disguises from these defenses and stuff I think coming from a smaller school I went to a D2 he went to an FCS but I can tell you just watching him play in college it was it was, the defenses that he faced were very simplistic so where I thought he would be like one of the more pro ready quarterbacks just because of how their offense was constructed I thought he did a really good job there like he at North Dakota State, he was he had a lot of responsibility on his shoulders, even more so than guys like Trevor Lawrence, uh, guys like uh, Justin Fields, you know, some of these guys, where they weren't asked to do all the different checks and play on the center and the different alignments and flip plays and things like that. So uh, spit out huddles, like just call plays in huddles, spit out plays. Like he was used to doing a lot of those things. I thought North Dakota State prepped him well for that, but – the defenses, one, weren't nearly as fast as what he saw, you know, season in the NFL. So that's one big adjustment for him. So now he's probably a lot later on throws, and then he wants to muscle everything in there. And then, two, the defenses in the NFL are much more uh, – the, the way they disguise things, the way they move, they're, they're, I mean, it's just much more difficult to read. So until you see those things at full speed and, and truly start to understand it, things will continue to kind of be weird for him. And I think that's why we've seen most of these quarterbacks deal with a lot of ups and down games. The tough thing for him, as opposed to the other guys, even like a Davis Mills, right? You talked about how Davis Mills, he's been good over the last few weeks, and you see him, like, steadily progressing. He had some terrible games early <laughs> on where I was like, dang, I don't even know if this dude is going to ever get a chance to start again. They might as well already start looking at the draft and seeing who they might like, right? I mean, he had a game where he threw for, like, 80 yards and four interceptions. You know, so... I mean, he has some ugly games. We've seen that from a lot of the other quarterbacks. With Trey Lance, it's going to be tough because although his first start wasn't even nearly as bad as some of these other guys' worst games, he's still on this is his second start. Like that, that's it. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not Davis lie. Mills. Davis Mills has started. This is going to be his tenth start. His right. tenth start, Davis Mills. That's a lot of valuable experience. Trey Lance hasn't gotten that opportunity, so I still think. Although he may be improved with certain things and things you might see him throw a little bit more rhythm and he can be accurate on certain throws, there's still going to be some of those errant throws because when he doesn't know what he's seeing, he wants to try to muscle things in there or he might be, you know, just willing to, oh, I'm just going to take off because I'm not sure what I'm seeing. And that's where he can kind of get himself in the bind. But I, I, I'd assume that you should see a little bit more consistency from his passing. Maybe not anything too amazing, but like I wouldn't be surprised if he's like a... 62, you know, if he completes yeah. 62% of his passes, and it's just better than what it was before. So the question obviously for me is, what are you expecting out of the Texans game? But the one part that I would like you to dive into a little bit is, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, the game plan for Trey Lance's first game. To say was weird would be an understatement. 16 design, not all design runs, but 16 rushing attempts um, really took a beating. Um, didn't really, you know, you saw when he came in against the Seahawks, he had that, was it, or was it, no, that, was that preseason with the 50-yard touchdown? Uh, preseason, he threw an 80-yard touchdown. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. he did have a big one against Seattle, too, uh, down yeah. the sideline of Debo. 
Right. Okay. So yeah, like you just didn't see that in the Cardinals game, right? The game plan looked weird. I, you know, he he was incompleting passes, but it it always felt like whatever Kyle was doing, it might have worked in Kyle's head. But I thought it was just you know, I was at the game. I was hungover at that game, and watching that made my hangover so much worse because it just didn't make sense. Like. What are you expecting this time around against the Texans, which are a bad team? Uh, you know, I, I think one there are they are one of the worst teams in the league against the run, so I'd expect a heavy dosage of runs. I, I think we're, we're seeing two things, right? I think what Kyle Shanahan thinks he's ready for, and what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. I think he against Arizona, he called a game that he felt like. Well, okay, I can do this with Trey Lance, and, and and we can try to build on this, but it can get us to a win. But if you watch what Kyle Shanahan did with Trey Lance in the preseason, it was all his standard offense. So I, I would assume that he wants to get more back to that, what he did in the preseason, and just seeing those things and understanding those things and being able to do that. He just maybe didn't think that uh, Trey was ready to do that for an entire game. That's the only th- conclusion I can come to. I'd assume that against Houston, he could possibly get him in more of a rhythm. He's had longer to prepare for this game, uh, you know, whether it's just his time in the NFL now or just this long extended uh, time off uh, after playing the Thursday night game. I think his receivers are going to have to help him. If you remember early on against the Cardinals, one, there were some weird things that happened. They were behind the sticks a lot, and he did a good job of still kind of picking up first downs. You know, 8 out of 10 of the 49ers' drives – against Arizona, went into Arizona territory. Hmm. So he did a good job of moving the ball. Now it's just, you know, Kyle was going for it on fourth down a ton, and they yeah. couldn't keep field goals, things like that. But they moved the ball. Now let's get more consistent from a passing standpoint, but let your receivers help you. I remember a third down play. He delivered a strike. It was third and long, maybe third and 13, whatever it was, and he threw a strike over the middle to Muhammad Sanu, and it just bounces off his hands. He just drops a third down ball. That doesn't help your young quarterback. So you need to come down with those type of balls so he can continue to work and get in the rhythm and you can build his confidence. So uh, I, I think for the, the, the thing that's going to help him the most in this game, have the, the confidence level. If he's confident and he gets going early on, I think you'll start to see him start to really sling it. But if you if he's missing early on, then he might start to get a little gun shy and things, he could press and things get a little weird. Cool. And so with that, and by the way, Chase, jump in whenever you need to. Uh, but I, I'm curious about that. So you, one of the things that I talked a little bit about on Twitter today was the idea of when you look at how that game went with all the run plays and things like that, wanting to have some kind of confidence. You know, let's assume we're going into the playoffs, right? This is a Texans team that is terrible. One of the worst against the run in the NFL, I think like 31st or something like that. It's probably, you know, it's Kyle. Kyle's going to want to run the ball. Do you think it could maybe, like, hurt Trey's development and Trey's, you know, what Trey can do in the playoffs if Kyle just goes, well, I know I can win this game, so I'm just going to run. If I, I know I can win if I run, so I'm just going to run the ball. Who cares? No, let's not let Trey. You know, like a Jimmy versus the Vikings in the NFC championship or, right. you know, division. What, what are your thoughts with that? Yeah, well, you want to lean on that. And, and make it as simplistic for your quarterback as possible. You know, I would come out right away and show outside zone stretch and pull in and do a big bootleg and just give him options. All right, you got this shallow right here. You got a crosser behind it. You can either throw it to one of those guys or you can take off. You know, give him some some of those type of options to where 
Uh, it's clear what he has to do. He doesn't have to be super accurate, but you help him kind of get in the rhythm. And I watched the Dallas Cowboys do a lot of that with Dak Prescott, his rookie year. You know, we watch Dak Prescott right now. I just watched him throw like 350 yards or four touchdowns in the first half against the Washington football team. That wasn't Dak Prescott, his rookie year. Now, he was good. He was efficient. But he was not asked to do any caring. You know, now, if you watch him against the Packers in the playoffs, you saw him throw the ball to get back into the game and those type of things. But I think when it comes to Trey Lance, it's all about getting him comfortable. Now, another thing Dak Prescott had an advantage of, Tony Romo got hurt early on in the preseason, and he got all the reps from there, and they got the build on that, and they they handed, they rolled Ezekiel Elliott to the wheels, fall off. I think he ran for like 1,600, yards as a rookie. And Dak Prescott was able to play off of him and then throw the ball, contested passes to uh, Des Bryant that rookie year. You saw that whole thing. Trey Lance, they're going to have to ride the run game, but still do things that he's comfortable with seeing. Give him easy reads. And we see that with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from Jimmy Garoppolo's tight window throws, which he playing in rhythm, timing throws over the middle. Jimmy excels at that, throws those passes at a high level. Maybe that's not quite where Trey Lance is right now, but still things that give him clear and defined reads that make it simple for him and what he's reading uh, defensively. I think I think that can that can help him a lot, but it's all going to be predicated off of the run game. Don't get him behind the sticks. Get the run game going early. Hopefully Elijah Mitchell is playing. I think that'll help the young quarterback a lot. Interesting. This is fascinating because I, I like I watch a lot of NFL, but I have not watched as much Niners as you guys. So this is this is cool. This is I, I very much enjoy this. So what do y'all think ultimately happens here? Do you think Trey, with the amount of time he's been able to uh, sit and learn and really master um, Kyle Shanahan's scheme as much as he possibly can in, in his rookie year? Do you think ultimately we see a better version of Trey Lance than we saw early on? And do we see more success than maybe Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, even Trevor Lawrence has had uh, to this point this early in their career? Well, so what else? I definitely want Clark to finish. I'll I'll go first. Um, There's some things that I've seen from Kyle this year that I know for sure. We talked a little bit about the the Cardinals game with Trey. Uh, The game before, they they had probably one of the most egregious not going for it on fourth down calls that Kyle's ever had. And Kyle got lit up by every single person in the NFL world, from media to, you know, fans, um, all the above. And then the next game, Kyle went for it four times on fourth down. I don't think he was very successful, but he definitely learned. I do think Kyle has the ability to learn from his mistakes more so this year than I've seen since he's been with the team. He is a stubborn coach. I do think that if I have to guess, I think Kyle's going to probably rely on the run game because he's worried about not making the playoffs right now and he doesn't want to risk it. Um, But I do think we're going to see more of a passing game. We're going to have George Kittle. We're going to have Ayuk in a better situation than when he was early on. Um, Muhammad Sanu will not be seeing the ball. Uh, you know, we will have Devo, uh, and we should have Elijah Mitchell back, but Jeff Wilson is a very good person to play and, and be involved too. Uh, the offensive line is playing, I think, the best uh, they have all year. And, you know, when Tom Compton is not uh, causing – yeah, when, when Tom Compton's not getting your quarterback killed and he's actually playing somewhat decent, like that's the best-case scenario. So I think things look good for Trey Lance – best case scenario playing the Texans. And I do think that Kyle will uh, step up to the challenge. The one thing that I can say for sure is I, 
from what I'm hearing, Kyle knew basically uh, at the end of the Titans game that Trey, that Trey Lance was the quarterback he needed to be uh, mm. coaching and prepping for um, as soon as that, that Titans game ended. Hmm. So he's, he's had an extra couple days uh, rather than the just regular old week. Um, should be ready. Interesting. What do you think, Eric? I forgot exactly what the question was. <laughs> oh, basically, essentially, do you think Trey Lance is better suited now, having time to sit and wait behind Jimmy for the majority of this season um, with just a couple of weeks left and up just with the pressure of getting this team into the playoffs? Like, it's a it's a difficult spot for him to be in, but do you think he is in a situation and with the, the health uh, and the playmakers around him that he will have a more seamless transition back into the starting lineup, um, more so than maybe a Justin Fields, a Zach Wilson, or some of the other rookie quarterbacks who have struggled thus far? I think it it, it helps, right? It, it has to help having that time. But again, you know, I kind of go back to the, nothing – until you get those live reps mm-hmm. in-game, you you just never really know exactly how somebody's going to react. But I mm. think he's more prepared now for it than he was week five or whatever that was. You know, week four, getting thrown into the Seahawks game and then playing against the Cardinals. He's mere, more prepared for it now, and I think it helps that he's not going up against Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt, who really disrupted that entire game, whether it's on the ground or with Trey Lance trying to drop back and throw passes. Hell, his first play – he drops back, they go empty, and he has a free runner. It's Chandler Jones running right at him, and he has to make him miss, and he, and he takes off for like 15 yards. He won't have to worry about that on a consistent basis. So I think just overall, like just the whole dynamic of this, playing against a team, they're playing at home. His first start was on the road against an undefeated team. You know, now he's playing at home, controlled environment. I looked at the weather. The weather's going to be nice. Playing against the Texans, not as good of a team. I think the best case scenario for the 49ers, be able to kick that ball off to start the game. Defense go out and get a stop. That kind of probably settle them down a little bit. And then, hey, Kyle Shanahan, rely on the run game, whatever you got to do. Dial up some uh, easy throws to get your guys' confidence going. And then uh, I think you see him start, start, you start, you'll, you'll start to see that bouncing and step a little bit after he completes a few passes early on. So uh, I think he should be fine. I, I still think you're going to see some ugly plays, but I think that that's, to be expected with all rookies, to be honest, especially like one in the second start. I like it. I'm excited no matter what to see what happens here because he's just the the wild card down the stretch, and we haven't seen many rookie quarterbacks been thrown into a situation like this late in the year and asked by their team to like, hey, uh, can you go ahead and get us into the playoffs? <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, good luck, though. Um, it, it's going to be fun to watch down the stretch here. Uh, what's not been fun down the stretch is the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know how much Atlanta Falcons you've had to you've had to watch uh, this year, Eric, but um, it's been a really, really boring season. Uh, the Atlanta sports guys and I, we talk about it uh, every week on the Friday show, and it's just so boring. Like, this has been, like, it's so expected. I would have, I could have made people a lot of money if they just gambled on the Falcons being the Lions. There is never a doubt that the Falcons were going to beat the Detroit Lions and play up to uh, bad competition, and they're going to get blown out by the likes of the Pats and the Cowboys. But this week, it was fun. Like, Kyle Pitts, I want to get your perspective on him because we talked about mm. Aiden Terrell at the top, but Kyle 
he's open a lot and Matt like part of it is we can't see so when I dive into the all 22 and look at what he's seeing with certain reads and Kyle's open all the time and there are some frustrating times where I toss my notepad up in the air when he targets Elimide Zacchaeus on a short uh, route over the middle on third and six and Kyle Pitts is just seven yards in front of him wide open but we don't see what Matt sees and Kyle's open all the time and he's just such a mismatch and calling him a tight end is just silly at this point but he is so much fun, and this was a really good week. He had this one one-handed catch on the right-hand side and his footwork outside. I just, when you look at him and you look at what he's able to do and just this different type of wideout slash tight end slash athlete, essentially, like, it. how do you defend somebody? Like, who is the right kind of defender? Like, what works against Kyle Pitts, and what have you seen that's just going to make him a Swiss Army knife? Even more so, I think, than George Kittle just because of how his different frame and his different skill skill set i think he has more upside than even kittle but what what do you think well i I don't think there is an ideal guy to cover yeah kyle pitts you know he's a unicorn and i know that word gets thrown out a lot when it comes to him but you know six six you know close to 250 pounds to be able to move the way he is does his fluidness his hips i remember watching him at florida and there was one route where like he sunk his hips to where he down there touched the ground with his knees and was able to explode out of it. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, dude's different, you know? Uh, and he can run routes against receivers, I mean, uh, against corners or safeties, and especially linebackers. You, you can't have them guard him. So he's definitely a mismatch nightmare, no matter who he lines up across from. You know, I think the, you know, the way that they're utilizing him and spread them out, like he is definitely a re- receiver without a use him and throw the ball yeah. to him vertically down the sideline. And you see him being guarded by cornerbacks. We saw that in the 49er game uh, down the down the right sideline where they threw a, uh, a, a, a double move ball to him where he almost took the ball away from the Well, he did take the ball away from the defender, almost got two feet down. Yeah. But he's a special player. You know, he was the one guy – I. The NFL is like always changing and evolving, and my thought process on like on just the prospects changes as well. He was a guy who I was like, okay, if if I'm gonna draft a receiver top ten, it's gonna be him hmm. because one, he's you know he's technically he's a tight end, but there would not be there's literally no other pass catcher I would have taken in the top ten aside from him hmm. because of how easy it is to manufacture touches and yards and production with the other receivers, you know, in, in today's day and age. So, I mean, shoot, you look at the the, the Bengals. Yeah, they drafted they drafted Jamar Chase, and he's terrific. They also drafted T. Higgins, who just had 12 catches for 194 yards, right? And he was a second-round pick. So, but the guys like Kyle Pitts, you can't find that, right? I, I can't just manufacture, like, that type of ability at the tight end position. So, when it comes to just pass catchers, man, he's, he's different. He's special as far as getting him the ball when, you know, they throw it underneath to a guy. I, I think maybe that some of that has to do with the Atlanta Falcons offensive line. Yeah. I mean, it's been really poor. I, I, I was watching them on Prime Can we have Trent Williams? Can we have Trent Williams? That'd be great. Can we get Trent <laughs> Williams have, in Atlanta? Can't have Trent, Trent Williams. But I was watching him. I was watching uh, the Falcons offense against the Patriots defense. And I felt bad for him. I mean, he's getting hit every play. He's having to pick himself off the ground. He was bleeding, and I just was like, man, that's it's not fair to him for how good he's been to the Atlanta Falcons organization, as well as as well as he's played as productive as he's played, leading that team to a, a Super Bowl and winning the you know an MVP, and then now 
I mean, he's getting beat up every time he drops back to throw the ball. You know, I saw it in the Patriots game. I saw it against the 49ers, you know, and they're not doing him any disservice. So until they kind of figure out either the offensive line or whatever they have to do, I think guys like Kyle Pitts, their production is going to kind of take a hit a little bit. Yeah, um, Matt Ryan, I mean, the pressure is insane. Like the 30 plus pressures in one particular game is just bonkers. Um, it, it's just when you watch it over and over again, it's it's crazy. And the frustrating thing about the Falcons offensive line, too, is that like they've invested. It's not like one of those things where they've just pretended that this hasn't been a issue for years. Like they took two offensive linemen in the first rounds two years ago. They took a high draft pick on Matt Hennessy. They, they swung at uh, Jalen Mayfield. They signed carpenter and brown last year a stopgap guys like they've tried they've invested a lot of resources into uh the offensive line it just hasn't worked unfortunately it's just been bad and sometimes like it's frustrating that the vikings go through this every year where it's like well they've invested so it got it's got to work and it's like well no it doesn't sometimes you can invest and you don't develop or you bet the wrong way just because they're a first round guy does not mean they're going to end up being a first round talent for you long term um and that's just the unfortunate aspect of the falcons right now is they've invested in and it just hasn't paid off and then you look at teams like the lions who we just watched this week where boyle has all day to throw like he just all day and it was it was awful to watch and thank goodness for foyer olicon to save the season essentially um but he had all day to throw like the, it was night and day and a lot of that is because detroit's got a good offensive line and it's just crazy that detroit being as bad as they are develop offensive line as well as they do it's just the nfl is a cruel world sometimes and just kind of kind of funny with who uh who what who has and who does not um i wanted to run through some NFL news. Uh, John Madden passed away today, and I didn't have this originally on the rundown, but it's it's crazy that the doc came out this week, and then he unfortunately passed away at eighty five. But um, Croc, like when you when you think John Madden, what do you what do you first think of? Madden football. Yeah, you know the the video game. You know, I, I mean, I grew up playing Madden. I still play Madden as an adult. I get the game before. You know, as soon as the pre-orders are, are up, I, I get it. And uh, it's been a big part of my life, like from a childhood. And really ha- how I learned about a lot of players was playing Madden, you know, whether it was, you know, Deion Sanders high-stepping, you know, playing Madden 95 on my uh, <laughs> Sega or, you know, whatever. Just, you know, listen to him, you know, like, you know, just all those different things w- 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 with Madden and, and kind of what he meant to me as a child. Now, I mm. know for people older than me, they might remember John Madden, the coach. I knew John Madden, the you know the guy on the analyst on uh, commentator on TV, yeah. and Madden the football guy, and, and he was special to me and a big part of my childhood growing up. So, uh, you know, to hear about his passing, you know, you you gotta respect a, a guy like him that was a pioneer in so many different ways, and just his approach to the game and how he talked about it, and I felt like he made it easy for people to like watch a game where. It was entertaining, but it wasn't going over your head in any way, shape, or form. So uh, it, it's definitely sad, but, uh, you know, he I, I'm pretty sure he would tell you, man, you know, he lived a good life and did everything that he probably ever wanted to do. That man loved football. <laughs> that is did not that. fly. Did not fly. Yeah. I thought that was pretty – that's pretty cool to hop on your bus and, <laughs> and travel to, to games and, yeah. and call games and things like that, travel the world on the bus. Like, that was – that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I, I, I saw so many people, to, you know, first off, rest in peace to John Madden, an absolute legend. But I saw so many people talking today about, you know, 
John Legend is one of, John Legend is one of, one of, one, no, 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 no. Let's get this very clear. John Legend, John Madden is the first person you should think about when it comes to the sport of the NFL because of how many different ways he was incredible. This man did it all. One of the greatest announcers of football ever. One of the greatest coaches ever. One of the greatest video games of any genre, period. The sports game, right? You don't think of NBA 2K. You don't think of what the, the whatever they call the baseball one, right? Madden. It, I mean, everything he did, it was larger than life. You know, even to this day, one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever. Oh, here we go. Uh, little, little Giants. Little, little Giants, when the bus... You know, they go, they get lost. Mm -hmm. he, he stops one of the kids on the team and he, he's, you know, he's riding up. He's like, well, we were driving down this highway. We did this way. We zigged that. Then we zigged. We got to hit the hole. We're, we're trying to get to kid. You know, mm. uh, I, I, he is, I, I don't think it's, it's very easy for some of the younger people to comprehend. But, mm -hmm. but John Legend quite literally is the NFL. He is football, period. He, I mean, it's kind of crazy. We just take for granted that this dude just got the the look, uh, just an entire video game. Like he took over the sport. It's not NFL 09. It's Madden. Like he just got the name. Like that's just. It's kind of like Jerry West being the NBA logo, where it's just that's the all time great thing. It's like I just got the logo. Yeah, the sport has my logo or has my name. I just I, I yeah. dominated to that extent. That's that's pretty cool. Um, Croc, oh, where are you? Oh yeah. Thing. He is also a Super Bowl winner. Yeah. Yeah. He won a Super Bowl. Like, what? Like, <laughs> he, just a legend. A legend. I would love to. And he was young. Like that. He, he was one of the, like, original, like, really young coaches. He was young mm -hmm. when he got into coaching uh, the Raiders. Interesting. Um, I'm. You mentioned Newsom and the Browns and their corners. Uh, Eric and I I'm curious to know what you think about the Browns right now they get blown out Baker has an all-time bad performance there's questions like is he healthy is he not and if he's not healthy why are you not just playing Keenum um, we know all the off the field stuff uh, his wife getting involved defending Baker this season it's been a it's been a weird up and down year for Baker in Cleveland um, the Browns were my preseason Super Bowl pick like I had mm. Browns Rams and the Super Bowl before the year started. I'm not feeling great about either. Uh, still a little bit of hope for the Rams, but not feeling great about that one. At, <laughs> I'm not feeling great about that one at the moment. Um, but I I am curious because the AFC North is just so weird right now. Um, what do you what do you make about the Browns and what have you seen from Denzel Ward, from Newsom, from their secondary because they invested a lot of resources pulling some guys from the Rams. Like what? What do you make of where they're at, and are you surprised to see them at the bottom of that division right now? You know, in the NFL, it, it's so tough. Like it, It's a quarterback-driven league. And when the quarterback play drops off, it's hard to be consistent with winning games uh, week in and week out, unless everything around you is perfect. So, you know, when it comes to Baker Mayfield and the, and the Cleveland Browns, there's not a whole lot of room for error. So if he's turning the ball over, let's say, I don't know, four interceptions in a game, they're not going to be able to win. And the crazy thing, they still had a chance to win. They yeah. still had a chance to win. They lost by two points. But it's not going to help it. But those type of performances are going to lead to losses. And then you look at, 
you know, before that, they they had to start Nick Mullins in the game against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. You know, that's not very beneficial. And then most of this season, you've had Baker Mayfield, who's playing with like a torn labrum on one shoulder, and he's having this injury and that injury. And, and and then you have guys out and you have COVID and you know all those things they, they're just it's been a tough season for the Browns definitely a team that had high hopes high expectations it hasn't worked out that well and not just for them you know I think like Evan said earlier this is the weirdest season ever mm-hmm. and I feel like everything that how if however you thought it was going to go is probably the complete opposite so you thought that the Browns were a Super Bowl team they're probably not but I mean, we're seeing that with a lot of other teams as well. I mean, listen, a couple weeks ago, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got shut out. I mean, the score was 9-0. They lost to a, a, a Taysom, Taysom Hill-led Saints team. Nothing is going going according to plan this don't year. Don't forget about my favorite one, the Buffalo Bills, who are right, right now lost to the Jacksonville Bills. Urban Meyer Jackson. Well, they just beat the Pats. I think the Bills are back. The Bills are back. Yeah, Allen looked good. Hey, Bills were my my Super Bowl prediction. Mm. Um, I think mine's looking a little bit better than yours. But yeah, no, like you said though, I mean, a nine to six loss, you can't muster up any points against the Jaguars, and you are the Buffalo Bills. So those are the weird things that's happened this year, and the 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 Cleveland Browns, they're not excluded from that. It's been a tough season for them. Dealt with a lot of injuries. The one bright spot that they continue to have is, well, a couple bright spots. One, Nick Chubb still looks ex- excellent. Uh, the rookie cornerback that they drafted, really like him, you know, Greg Newsom. However, I thought of him, uh, you know, during my draft evaluation process, I think he's been that as a pro, in the, at least in the games that I've watched. Then Miles Garrett, he's mm. on the terror. And it's unfortunate for him to have as great of a year as he's having. And, you know, dang, you know, it might go to waste essentially so uh that that's the tough thing but uh that it's an interesting team i i, I can't wait to see what they do over the last couple of weeks yeah i mean would yeah. you would would you give if you're the browns do you draft quarterback mm, no do you i sign, do you sign, i can't go after a guy like aaron Rodgers. i go after a free agent you know I, or I, I don't know exactly what i do but i know baker mayfield and, and this is there's a thing with some of these guys like that where they kind of cap your team mm-hmm. and you need everything to be just perfect, perfect, right? Look, look at Aaron Rodgers. Now, again, that's an extreme scenario. I'll even go a step down. Uh, Josh Allen, right, because he's younger. Like Aaron Rodgers, I mean, that's Hall of Fame first ballot, you know, mm-hmm. right? But let's say Josh Allen. Once Josh Allen hits full stride with what he is as a quarterback right now, that's not a perfect team. Right? Yeah, they play some. They'll play some good defense and stuff like that. They have absolutely no running game. <laughs> absolutely no running game. The whole entire offense is on his shoulders. But you pay a guy 150 million or whatever he's getting paid because when things aren't perfect around them and they'll figure it out eventually. But even then, he could still carry you to wins. You look at Baker Mayfield when things aren't perfect around him, and then he's part of the problem. On top of that. It's just not ideal to pay a guy all that money. So what do you do going into the offseason this year? I wouldn't feel comfortable. If I'm them, I would not feel comfortable paying him $150 million or whatever it's going to cost to to be able to re-sign him as a quarterback. The tough thing is the Cleveland Browns have been a crappy team for so long, and he has had them in the playoffs. They just won a playoff game last year. They haven't had that type of success, but he kind of brought you that. Do you just say, well... We could do worse, so let's you know sign him uh, or re-sign him. 
I think that's the dilemma that they're going to be in. So maybe they, I mean, I would franchise tag them. Mm. What we saw the Cowboys do with, with Dak Prescott, where it was like, all right, we're still not sure about Dak yet. We're we're not 100 percent, so not 100 percent sure. So let's, you know, let's 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 franchise him. Now that it, I guess it worked out well, but it didn't. He broke his ankle, snapped in half, but he still got a big paycheck. But Dak had shown, even in that short period of time, hey, I could put up 40 points a game. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield's not that guy, so I, I would franchise tag him. And then see where it goes. Almost okay. Here's a better. Here's a better one. Kirk Cousins. What the Washington Football Team did with Kirk Cousins. How they franchise tagged him in back to back years. That's mm-hmm. not ideal. But it was one of those situations where it's like, gosh, I don't like him enough to give him all this money. Yeah. But he's not bad enough to where it's just easy to replace him. Well, Lamar is like the the ultimate flex if you just keep franchise tagging him until you bet on the injuries or something slowing him down. Uh, the wrong hit ending the athleticism. I forgot, I think it was Austin Gale, PFF, who I think him and Mike Renner were talking about on the tailgate podcast months ago of like the way to play the Lamar Jackson game is like he's worth all of it now. He's worth all the money in the world that's an MVP player now. But it's just when it, when it ends with him, it's going to be a different type of deal. Because if once he loses one key part of his game, like it changes an entire value and it's just one wrong hit or one wrong fall. And that just changes the entire trajectory like that. And if you're what we go- saw with RG3. Yes. Like that same kind of thing. Like it's just it's going to be one thing. But like his fall will not be like a gradual four to five year drop. It's going to go from MVP to this guy is a backup quarterback at this point because of the injuries like that. Like that is what their perspective is. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah. And again, I, you know, I, I talked about RG three, remember his rookie year. I mean, we're talking about someone yeah. who rookie year hit the ground running was excellent rookie of the year, but he had that injury late and everything just got really weird with him after that. He was never kind of the same. Maybe his attitude, maybe he didn't know how to adjust after having that type of injury. Maybe he didn't prepare. I, I don't know what the situation was, mm. but RG3 is kind of looked at right now as somebody who is a, a bust or a, a bust or like a clown or somebody, you know, he's kind of looked at as kind of a joke or somebody that should have never been taken that high. But he was excellent as a rookie and he was on a high trajectory. The injury changed all of that. It derailed all of that. And I think that's something that you're kind of alluding to with Lamar Jackson to where, you know, he's been able to have a much longer period yep. of playing at the high level without all the injuries. But once those things start happening and things start getting kind of weird and he has to change the way he plays, I think that's where, yeah. like you saw with RG3, that hurt him. It could potentially hurt a guy like Lamar Jackson as well. Yeah. But you can still win a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson. Now, it's just you're playing, you're rolling the dice. It's kind of like Joel Embiid uh, in the NBA where it's like Joel Embiid can be the best player right now on a title winning team. But when it ends... When that final knee injury comes through, or the final foot thing, or whatever it is, it's over, and it's going to be over quick, and it's sad. But that's just kind of what uh, you're doing with guys like that. But Demarcus Cousins, yeah, Demarcus, Demarcus Cousins, Cousins, the Achilles and everything, yeah, yeah that it, it's crazy. Um, Evan, Trent Balky, your guy, he's staying in Jacksonville. He's going to hire the next head coach to replace Urban Meyer. They've got a long list. They've already mentioned we've seen a lot of names come out, but the big three it seems like is Doug Peterson. Jim Caldwell and uh, I mean Dan Quinn's in the mix. I saw um, Kellen Moore. What do you what do you make of the Jaguars sticking with Balky at least for one more year and uh, them going with uh, some of these big time names? Oh, Byron Leftwich was the other name. This is what he does, right? This mm. is, is Balky's. I mean, 
we are quite literally repeating exactly what happened with the 49ers. Exactly. The only thing that is different here is that we haven't seen the fruits of Falky's labor yet with uh, his terrible drafting. Falky uh, is, if he's good at one thing, he's good at convincing owners that he is the smart one, the coach is the dumb one, everything is that's good is his is, is because of him and everything that is bad is because of the coach. The coach is gone now and all of a sudden Trent Falky is going to save the day. Uh, Trent Falky is a terrible GM. I, I don't, that's not, that's not my opinion. The numbers are there. The, the, the data is there. The draft picks are there. Uh, yeah, I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like it is so sad that Trevor Lawrence will have to handle three, four, however many years of Trent Baalke. If he really is saying, I hate the idea that Trent Baalke is going to be a part of uh, the, the head coaching hire. I'll never forget talking to Michael James uh, shout out to LaMichael, one of my favorite, uh, you know, football players of all time, and and talking to him about Trent Baalke and how he kind of alluded to, he's like, yeah, Trent Baalke drafted me, basically knowing that Harbaugh wanted nothing to do with my style of running back. Hmm. That's that, that's who Baalke is. He is going to do what he thinks is good, uh, no matter whether or not it could potentially hurt the team. Uh, you know, that might be a little harsh. Uh, you know, maybe I'm a little biased, uh, but yeah, Trent Baalke's trash. <laughs> the, the wounds are still fresh. Uh, no, noted guy who is not coming on this podcast anytime soon. Jack oh, no, let me, no, Trent let me, Baalke. Let me, my, the wounds are cauterized. The wounds are, the wounds are healed. This is uh-huh. not coming from the heart. This mm-hmm. is coming from, from the mind. This is this is methodical. This, I mean, he is bad at what he does. And let's, I mean, let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at it. You know, Poor James Robinson is an incredibly dynamic player. Obviously, yeah. you know, uh, just towards the Achilles, and we, we hope he's got a speedy recovery because he's such a fun running back to watch. Uh, but what does Trent Baalke do in his first year? He drafts Travis Etienne uh, on a team that is desperate for talent after going number one overall, and he drafts a running back in the first round. Yeah. After having a 1,000 yard right. rusher, a 1,000 right. yard rusher who is an undrafted rookie free agent. So you have the value already. Like, you, you want. You want the undrafted guy to be a baller at running back position. Yep. You have it, and then it's like, oh, forget all the value and all the other areas that we can improve this team. Let's draft a running back first round. I, I thought that was wild as well. You have a coach then, who doesn't even know when he's playing. Them, and then say, hey, uh, well, we're actually going to play you at receiver. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Yeah. That's not working out. We're going to put you back at running back. Oh, oh, you tore your ACL. Okay. Uh, yeah. See I, 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 but, but that was the plan all along, right? Trent Baalke wants his players with torn ACLs. So, oh my God, he's got, he's got the world right where he wants them. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I, I just, it's such a weird situation because like I, on one hand, I understand if you're a Kellen Moore, a Byron Leftwich, you're like, Hey, the opportunity to coach Trevor Lawrence is enticing. Like that is an enticing thing to coach Trevor Lawrence, who is the most polished quarterback coming out of college since Andrew Luck. Like I understand that line of thinking but we have a long track record now of jaguars ownership and the gms there and the front office there that like this is not a good job and that this is not something i would want to walk into but there's only 32 coaching jobs so if you're left with you're like do i do i wait or if you're todd bowles and you get this call do do you wait if you're jim caldwell it's different it's like you might not Mm -hmm. ever get another call if like 
I think you just jump at it because Jim Caldwell also should never have gotten fired from Detroit. Like that's one we need to talk about for forever is that they replaced Jim Caldwell and Matt Patricia and just that sadness and what happened uh, following Jim Caldwell. The the Chicago Bears have hired Mark Tressman and Matt Nagy Mm -hmm. uh, while uh, Jim Caldwell doesn't have a a job. But to, to your point though, Trevor Lawrence will be the reason why, even though everything you said is true, uh, the coach, whoever whoever wants, you know, whoever gets the, the offer, they'll take it because of Trevor Lawrence. You don't pass up coaching Trevor Lawrence. Um, but I, I do appreciate your podcast, Chase, because it has given me uh, a never-ending boost to my uh, inquenchable thirst. That is my ego. Um, <laughs> what did I say when we talked about quarterbacks in this draft and, you know, how every year – 75% of the quarterbacks are, are don't pan out, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm taking Trevor Lawrence as the one that doesn't pan out. Oh, I'm not even – no, I'm not doing that. He's still bust-proof. Like, I'm still a believer. Like, no, I, that dude let, is let, still bust-proof. Let me just, just – I want, I, want, I, want, I want to shut up and let Croc talk, but I do want to finish with this. I said verbatim, I will pick Trevor Lawrence to not pan out out of all these quarterbacks, not because of him, but because of what this team does to him. And in the 17 games since I've said that, they have imploded as a team, destroyed their draft already. He's got nothing around him. His best players are injured, and they're looking for a head coach, and the season hasn't even ended. So... I mean, it's a bad, bad start, but I still would say Fields is in a worse spot, and Fields, I predicted, was most likely to bust based on his situation with Zach Wilson behind him, where, like, I I just, the, the Bears have just an awful, awful track record, and I didn't believe in the Pace-Naggy situation, and I don't think that, like, if Pace keeps his job and they move on from Nagy, like... Fields in a bad spot. What they've done with him back and forth with Andy Dalton, like that's not good. And like he's just been developed and tri- like it's just been bad. It's been an abject disaster in Chicago all season long. And then Zach Wilson's coming out a little bit, and I think he'll get a little bit more time. But like that's not looking good. And it's also just the history of the Jets. Like I was betting against the Jets and the Bears and their history with quarterbacks. I'm like, you know what? Uh, it's not a great, great track record. Like Mac Jones is probably going to be fine. He was the safest one. And then I trust Kyle with quarterback so i I, th- I still think trey will be okay but yeah all of them can't work out all five can't work out i just i still think trevor lawrence is bust proof and whoever comes in will still get a lot more out of him and i think he's still that andrew luck type quarterback prospect where he'll he'll be fine and like even with a bad coaching staff in year three he's still um fighting he's gonna do the deshaun watson thing where he's just gonna be wielding this team poorly coached and it's going to be driving all of us nuts on football Twitter about the coaching staff See, and the players around. I got to disagree. Okay. Because Deshaun Watson was going crazy. Now, mm-hmm. you can't say he did have Will Fuller. He did have DeAndre Hopkins. So that mm-hmm. probably helped a lot. But he was going – Watson was going crazy. Right now with Trevor Lawrence, he hasn't shown really anything. Now, when you actually sit and watch the games, you'll know that it's not all his fault. Like he's under duress a lot. And you will also see certain throws that he makes where it's like, man, that's a, that's a throw that a, a, a talent like him makes, right? But those the plays that you would love to see to jump off from a, a, a talent like him, you're not really seeing that. And when you look at some of the other teams, like uh, even, even uh, Zach Wilson, for as bad as he's been this year, there still have been some plays where it's like, whew, Mm-hmm. Okay, like very talented. Now, can he be consistent? I don't know. Uh, same with 
even uh, uh, Justin Fields, where it's just like, whew. Now, I mean, I feel like he's been the better of those guys mm-hmm. for sure. Just with the plays he's been, he's made down the field, throwing the ball with his legs. I feel like we've seen more from him just as far as upside goes. Um, Trey Lance, in, in in his limited time that he's played, I thought he showed some good stuff in his start with just some of the areas that he put balls in. There was this one where he uh, moved out the pocket, slid to the right, and then threw this ball right over the defender's hand to Debo Samuel. Like It was a terrific play. He made some throws. Uh, but And then obviously Mac Jones, I think he does his thing. It's, a little, it's not as sexy like the big plays, but he, obviously like the consistency is there at a much higher rate. And then you have David Mills. I feel like Davis Mills, who's in an equally as bad situation on paper as Trevor Lawrence or even Zach Wilson, has shown more upside hmm. than those guys. Yeah. More upside? More yeah. more upside in the sense of like, hey, I'm I get it. Like, yeah. I'm getting it. You know? Like with, with Trevor Lawrence and stuff, you're not seeing like, oh I get it. But maybe it's because the situation is just so bad that he can't overcome it and everything around him is just so bad. I'll give I'll give him that that there's a potential for that. But Davis Mills, and he has some terrible moments too, but he's also showing, hey, I'm figuring it out. He's thrown what well, he has more 300 yard passing games than all the other rookies combined. Like he's hmm. he's he's showing to be able to play a little bit. Where's, where's Trevor Lawrence's game versus uh, the Chargers? Where is it? What game this season can you look at and say, wow? Like not just that. Did you watch Davis Mills against the Patriots? That's one of the best, if not the best defense in the league. And Davis Mills was boom, 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 boom. I mean, he was efficient. He was he was forty one point seven passer rating, three hundred and twelve yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Did he go zero for four interceptions against the Bills the next week with 87? Yes. No. But but to your point, that's that is that is a very real thing. Davis Mills is on a trash team showing something. Trevor Lawrence has not done that. And the expectations are higher, so maybe we're looking at it from a different perspective. But even then, I mean, we watched him against the 49ers. I don't think that he did anything in that game to where because typically you you see something that's like Oh, generational. Like Justin Fields, right, when he played against the 49ers. He made some plays. He made this sweet run where you're just like, ah, this guy's sweet. He, once, he, once he really grasped it, like he's special. Zach that, Wilson's that, run last this week. Right. I, I have never – I have not said that at any point while watching uh, Trevor Lawrence. Now, again, it, it could be – everything is just so bad, that, and that could be it. But even then, with these other guys that have been in less than ideal situations, they do something to where you're like, ooh, there it is. I, I haven't seen it at all with Trevor Lawrence yet. That's fair. That's fair. And maybe maybe it's just going to take a new coaching staff. Maybe it's just going to be like a Kellen Moore, Byron Leftwich coming in there and just the right coach, the right offensive mind. Because right now he's got Brian Schottenheimer and Daryl Bevel, and that's, that's where he's at uh, this year. The ability is there. I do mm. want to make it clear. The ability is there. And I've seen certain throws where he made a good throw and it was dropped and stuff like that. But it, in the sense of that, just like that pop, like that, 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 like, oh, there it is. I, I haven't seen that from him. And I've watched enough games to where I feel like I should see that a couple times and and haven't haven't really seen that. Even Trey, even Trey Lance in limited time, you see him do some things where it's like, whoo, 
okay, shoot, his second pass in the in the preseason game was an 80-yard touchdown where you're like, man, roll out left, throw it all the way across the field, big ball on the money, hit a guy in the stripe. He did some things in preseason where he moved some defenders and threw these strikes over the middle for a touchdown to Travis Benjamin. And, like, you see some things where it's like, who, when he figures it out, it's going to be crazy. I'm, 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 I need to find that moment with Justin, uh, with excuse me, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Okay, I like it. I like it. Um, last newsy type thing I wanted to hit on real quick: the Giants plan to keep Daniel Jones and Joe Judge for next year. Croc, your immediate reaction to the Giants running it back with this group? Have you seen anything from Daniel Jones or Joe Judge that would that would if you're a Giants fan you're excited about running it back and that there is a possibility they can figure this out next year no nothing that gets me excited I mean I'd say the only thing is sometimes with with head coaches you know it's tough if you keep changing coaches every year or every two years you know we saw that with the 49ers with uh you know in four years the 49ers have four different head coaches mm-hmm. <laughs> and none of those four seasons were a winning they didn't, they didn't have a winning record so uh you 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 know eventually maybe you just keep swinging and you and you find the guy but for them sometimes especially for a guy like joe judge right he's coming from the patriots organization and that kind of background and uh to instill the type of you know uh, uh discipline in a team that you're looking for and getting the right guys i think that could potentially take longer than two years now, obviously, you know, you want your quarterback to do well. I mean, Saquon Barkley, him being hurt, that hasn't helped. And you, you went out, you spent a lot of money on Galladay. He does nothing, you know. But it, it's a tough situation. They're going to have to figure it out. I, I They'll probably get rid of the what Dave, uh, Gettleman, the general manager. He's probably going to be out of there. But, yeah, that that's another situation. That That's tough. You know, it's like – there's always going to be coaches out there for you to get. There's going to be another hot name. There's going to be some good coaching candidates, but it's nothing is guaranteed. And if you just keep changing over things before it even gives something a, a real opportunity to pop, I think that's that's tough. So I think he's in year two, man. I I, I wouldn't mind giving him one more year to see if they just figure it out. Okay. The, it, it has nothing to do with Daniel Jones, the football player, right? Because he hasn't. He's been mediocre. He's had some, you know, kind of fun games, but not all it is is what we know exactly what it is. It's that rookie contract, right? You're looking at a team that is rebuilding. You're looking at a team that is about to hire probably a lot of new coaches, whether it's assistants, whatever. Um, I still don't think that Joe Judge is not getting fired. We'll see. Um, but, you know, regardless of anything, when you have a rookie contract in a mediocre quarterback, you hope to God they can get better with more talent around them. And you can use that cap space to do so. Um, I, but everything the Giants are doing, it's like they're they're plugging. It, it reminds me of the cartoon where they're in a boat and they're plugging one hole and another spring, you know, leak springs. And it's just like, okay, you, you got to fire the GM, but now you but now you know your your team's trash. You now you replace the quarterback. Well, we got to keep the head coach, but the head coach should probably be fired. It's like, I, I the Giants are going to continue to be bad for a long time. Probably, I'd say at least another two to three years. Best just, way to do it is yeah. clean house, man. Clean house. Well, Gettleman's got to go too. With uh, uh, Lewis Riddick, get mm. Lewis Riddick in there. I like his attitude. He's a no nonsense type guy. I feel like have him pair him with the coach where they they come in together and they do the damn thing. I, I feel like that would be the best way to go about 
really trying to figure out how to fix them. Because they got some talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I feel like that defense is 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 cool. And in the offense, you have some weapons. They just need to kind of clean up the quarterback position, get Saquon healthy, unless he's just a shell of himself and he's always going to be that. But figure that out and figure out the offensive line. There's there's some pieces there, but it's going to take the right the right coaches and GM to kind of really figure it out. All right. Um, I wanted to ask some tail of the tape real quick um, as we wrap up this weekend in the NFL edition of this podcast. And Eric, thank you so much for giving us so much of your time tonight. This has been great. Um, I watched uh, Miami New Orleans this morning and uh, was diving in and taking notes. Tua is uh, the press man that New Orleans was running and what Dennis Allen does is a lot of fun. And I feel bad for what he's having to deal with. Ian book is really bad and really overwhelmed as a rookie quarterback in that situation. But Tua, man, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't see it. And I don't, if I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, I'm I'm concerned. They keep winning. They're they're above 500 now. The team obviously has rallied around them. They they do what they need to, but it's not inspiring. Like it's not these inspiring wins. It's really weird that a team is on this kind of hot streak and they look this this beatable. Like they're just not. There's nothing that's the the, the thing that pops is Jalen Waddle. When you watch the games for me, like him and the way they use him, similar to. Uh, not even just Debo, but just that kind of like Kyle Pitt Swiss Army knife where they can line them up in the slot, line them up wherever. But they were also, uh, the Saints were okay with using CJ in that spot. And he had some good plays. He had this good step up uh, solo tackle in this one to stop Jalen Waddle from breaking outside. Like, I thought that matchup was fun. CJ versus Jalen Waddle in the slot. What did you see in that one? And are you are you can like are you out on Tua? Have you seen enough from him to make a, a judgment? Like, what, what have you seen and what did you take away from that game? And just kind of the way the, the New Orleans secondary plays, because I think they're a lot of fun and they're so good and it just doesn't matter because this offense is just fundamentally broken because of what's at uh, quarterback at the moment. Yeah, I, I want to start by talking about uh, uh, Chauncey Gardner, mm-hmm. right? That, yeah, uh, I said that right, right? Uh, CJ got yeah Gardner. I think yeah. one. Of, well, there's Gardner, Cincinnati Johnson, Sauce Gardner Johnson, at Cincinnati. The Bearcats. It's Kobe Bryant. No, Sauce Chauncey, Gardner. It's Chauncey Gardner. Is it Chauncey? Chauncey, 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 Chauncey John? Yeah. Okay. Chauncey John, yeah. Chauncey Johnson. I'm getting my name. CJ Gardner Johnson. Yeah. 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 CJ Gardner. Yeah. All right. But the cornerback that came out of Florida. Yeah. Right? It's a long he, name. He's kind of a safety <laughs> nickel hybrid. Uh, you know, he's been with. He actually was a, a mid round, a day three pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, for the Saints, I believe. And I've loved watching him. Mm-hmm. It just his, you know, I talked about, you know, Ramsey and that mindset. The confidence. Well, he has that. Mm-hmm. He has, I don't want to butcher his name. I was going to say his name. I'll butcher his name. But he has that confidence. I love the way he plays. You know, I watch him. He's the same guy that was flexing uh, in, in, in Tom Brady's face, right? He's that type of guy. And his confidence and the way he carries himself does not waver. Uh, I like the way that the Saints play defense in general. They will play man. They will lock up. They will go out there and put uh, Lattimore on an island. Uh, they'll play some too high stuff. Uh, you know, everybody flies around. Uh, their linebacker, uh, Demario Davis, you know, he's a guy I was on the Jets with. Uh, I love the energy that, that he brings uh, from this team. There is a lot to like about how they play. Now, when you look on the other side, I think it's extremely interesting. Or, or here's, what's the word that everybody said? Fascinating. It's very <laughs> fascinating to see how Jalen Waddle has been used. Yeah. He's going to surpass 100 receptions on the year. Awesome. But he's averaging like nine yards per reception, yeah. which is 
wild for someone who they don't go downfield. Now they don't go as they don't go downfield because well the quarterback isn't they don't have that splashy guy. They don't have that splashy mm-hmm. quarterback that you know the big arm make plays. They threw one ball downfield down the right sideline against the Saints and had a big game, but it doesn't seem like that's what their offense is necessarily predicated on. Yeah. Now if you ask offense fans, they'll say, well, it's because of the offensive line. I say BS. I see bad. Uh, I see teams with bad O lines still push the ball down yep. the field more than what we're seeing from the Miami Dolphins. So uh, with Tua, again, he's probably going to be another guy that kind of maybe gets in that that uh, Baker Mayfield role yeah. where you're you're not sure. It's like, well, I, I got to pay him. Do I pay him? I, I know I, I want to get better, but can I do better? And they're going to have that conversation when his time is up. But love what they've done. I mean, this is a team that started off like, what, one and seven? Yeah. And they've won seven straight. So, uh, you know, to be able to do that, kudos to Flores and what he's doing with the Miami Dolphins, uh, getting those guys to really buy in and believe. When I've been on bad teams. Mm-hmm. When you're one and seven, everybody t- kind of tanks it and they don't yeah. prepare the same way that they did when they were fresh in the season or when they're winning. So for him to get everybody back on track and get them to believe, kudos to him. But uh, I'm pretty sure they're kicking their, themselves over, uh, you know, they drafted two over Herbert. Oof. Oh. Kicking themselves, I, I I would throw up every time I think about it. <laughs> think about that team right now with Herbert. Yeah, it's but I mean it's just wild because Tua was just the unanimous number one overall pick before that season started. Like he was, and what he was doing at Bama was just it, it's it was the just Alabama effect. Yeah, but I mean, it, I don't know Bryce I think Young. Some of it is is mm. that like that hype, like that, like what a guy is gonna be. But a lot of times when guys have that. That hype early on, like freshman year, sophomore year, and then when by the time they are draft eligible and they're coming out, you'll start to find all these little holes. So yeah. the whole tank for Tua thing, mm-hmm. once he was coming out, regardless of the hip injury, when you just watched him, it was like, he's cool. I remember <laughs> now, he's like Dak Prescott, and I mm-hmm. said, and that's hopefully, like hopefully he's Dak Prescott, and uh, you know, however you know people take that any type of way, but you know when you look at a, a Justin Herbert. And, and what he was at Oregon, I think it those things like guys like him, guys like Josh Allen, they've changed the way that I evaluate talent. Not in the sense of thinking everybody's going to become them, but just that if the guys made up of the right things, they can become that. Mm. And uh, I, you know, it's like do you swing for the fences with a guy that has the high upside, high talent, but you're not quite sure. Or go with maybe a tour that might be safer, but when it's time to pay him, you're not going to want to pay him what the market is going to uh, tell you you have to give him. Have you the looked at it? Will, oh, go ahead, Evan. I just the one thing I will say is that I I, I do appreciate the Josh Allen's of the world right now in that it allowed people to calm down a little bit and give give quarterbacks more than just a year, right? Like the idea that you have to like come in and be successful right away. I think it, it balanced things out a little bit where it allows you to go, okay, let's not be hasty. Let's give them some some time, right? You can go look what happened by giving Josh Allen a chance. Um, I don't think that you, that's always going to be the answer, but I, I do think it was necessary to balance things out with quarterbacks, right? There's got to be a happy medium. Well, yeah, kind of, but then you have freaking uh, Joe, Joe Burrow and, and – yeah. And Justin Herbert, who hit the ground running, and then that just brings back those high expectations and to where yeah. guys are going to be impatient because it doesn't look like 
uh, Herbert or Burrow, who are, you know, those are guys who have been really awesome. Uh, and and her, her, I mean, really both of them who have the ability to play at a top five level at any at any moment. So, but very different uh, styles. Like, they could not be more different in the way they play, in the way they attack, in the way, like, everything about them is completely different. Um, it's wild to watch. If you watch, if you watch Herbert, mm-hmm. he will have some weird moments but he's such an explosive quarterback you know and there's nothing explosive about burrow yeah well here's the thing with burrow and there were a lot of comparisons between burrow and mac jones right where people were like well joe burrow you know he had all the weapons and he did this he did that he's not but i thought burrow was more of a playmaker Mm -hmm. than mac jones where Mac Jones is someone that has to play a little bit more ideally, you know, like just how he plays and rhythm and timing from the pocket. I thought Burrow was just more explosive with his ability to push the ball down the field and then also make plays with his legs off script, uh, big runs, things like that. Uh, you know, and I think that's why he's someone that they were comfortable with taking at the number one pick. It's also just so important to see, like what we've seen too, is just that like, you give him T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd, and Joe Mixon. It's like, oh yeah, this this is nice, and a healthy Jonah Williams in the that left too. tackle spot. Like <laughs> that that helps a lot. Like it turns out, putting a bunch of talent around your quarterback at key spots um, that matters. And I mean, the Chargers nailed their left tackle pick. What is uh, the dude's name from Northwestern who's just been Slater. yeah yeah he's been great. That's a huge thing. Is like the Chargers have always had bad offensive lines, and that is just a home run. And then you have Mike Williams and everybody else, and it's like that makes a difference for these young quarterbacks. Is we have to talk about the situation that Herbert and Burrow are in, which is that both franchises deserve a lot of credit for surrounding those two with just a lot of premier win now veterans that um, have eased their transition to the NFL unlike other teams and also different type of guys and and I like how they did it where do you look at the Chargers and what they have at receiver with Keenan Allen they got Williams they got guys like Guyton who can stretch the mm-hmm. field or you look at the Bengals guys with uh you know Chase T Higgins Tyler Boyd. All three of those guys are different. Mm-hmm. They have different styles. They have different ways that they win, but they're all able to win. And I like how they've done that. I hope the 49ers, and we'll see, they've invested a good amount in some of these guys. So maybe they just stick with IU, Debo, and Kittle. But I would love to see the 49ers get a pure speedster in there and a big body guy that's legit 6'4 to where, all right, like you don't have to be pinpoint accurate with every throw. Because right now, with how the 49ers pass catchers win, you have to be very accurate with your throws. There's very little room for error. I like what I see from Juwan Jennings, though. And I, I will say this, like, Croc, I don't know if you've even seen it, but I've been screaming about he'll get a, a giant go-up-and-get-it receiver for, like, eight years. I've been begging for it. And, I mean, like, instead we've gotten Quinn Patton. So. Yeah. Uh, I get it, and I couldn't agree more. But I got—I got to say, I—I I was no expectations for Juwan Jennings uh, this year. If the 49ers want good. that, they, if they want that, go up and get a guy that's going to help your young quarterback to where he doesn't have to be as pinpoint accurate. At least you trade London. I think he's going to be around in the second round. That would be a guy, and the 49ers probably aren't going to do it. They need pass rusher. They need corners. They need. Could you take a receiver, though, with Ayuk and Devo on the team? Could you take a receiver with your first available pick? No, I I don't. Well, you know what? It depends on who you ask. Because if you ask Joe, uh, Joe, if you ask uh, Jerry Jones, he took, he had, 
He had Gallup coming off a thousand year. He had Cooper, you know, his thousand year. He paid him a hundred million dollars. And what they do? Oh, CD Lamb. But that's but I'm saying though, they had yeah. all kind of needs on their defense. Now mm-hmm. eventually yeah. second round they got Diggs, and we've seen how that worked out in the second year. But they yeah, had holes. They had holes all over that defense, and at a time when they could have easily justified not taking a receiver. They went ahead and took one anyways, and you know it's just hey we're gonna we're getting you another weapon you know and the guy who's really kind of taken over as you know pretty much kind of the lead receiver on on the Dallas Cowboys so you can it you know it's not the ideal thing to do and I was one that ripped the Cowboys when they took Ceedee Lamb but I'm pretty sure they're looking at me now like huh yeah <laughs> I like it I will tell you I will tell you this. I would get rid of, and, I, and you know what, like this will sound like blasphemy, but I would get rid of Debo. I'd get rid of Ayuk. I would get rid of anybody not named George Kittle on that offense to go get Mike Williams. Oh, wow. No, Mike Williams who? From Chargers? Yeah. You you can't. 49ers, the 49ers. Especially with Lance. This is their first Pro Bowl receiver. I was going to say, Debo is your your heart and soul this year. Trust me. Like I said, I know I'm going to get flamed for it. I know it's not going to happen. Debo's going to get a contract. Extension. Well, he has he's over 1,500 yards right now. Between he's gonna get, yeah. he has over he's gonna get paid out. He's going to get paid out. I'm just saying, I in my heart of hearts, I would like, yo, like, I'll show up at your house and help you pack. Like, Mike Williams is the type. Oh, my he's goodness. He's literally the perennial prototypical. Like, he's the type of receiver I wanted the 49ers to draft for so long. And I, and, you know, and I, but you know, I, Debo's incredible. He's one of the most exciting football players we've seen the last decade. Debo, come to Atlanta. Come to Atlanta. I can't do any more Taji Sharper eliminated Zacchaeus. I, I don't need. You already, got, you already got him. You if got you like, minutes. you like Mike Williams. You don't have to trade one of those guys. You go and get Drake London. Hmm. You go get Drake London. He'll be there early second round. 210 receiver. Fluent mover. You can throw screens to him. He's good there. Contested catch monster. He's not a big separator with speed, like much like Williams. You want a Williams? Go get Drake London, and you don't even got to give up Debo. Okay, I like this. Um, yeah, this uh, this should be fun. Um, last thing though, Eric, on this podcast, the last thing we do, we do two minutes for our picks. Do you are you ready to do some picks for this week? Let's do it. All right, Evan, do you have the schedule in front of you for Week Seventeen? This season has flown by this has flown by uh, but this is cool we have a celebrity picker it's like college game day over here so this is good i like this uh, i'm not a celebrity but somebody did i was in the airport today you know i uh-huh. flew home and some guy said croc hey huge fan of yours on twitter oh, <laughs> people were looking like who the hell is this guy <laughs> they were all looking at me like who are you like i ain't nobody i don't know how he knows me that's cool that is that is awesome but that was cool a, that was a jarring feeling for sure um, okay, so let's get this. Let's just get this going as quickly as possible. And Croc, once again, thank you for joining us and spending so much time on here. Like it's always so much fun. It's also um, just great. We learned a lot, man, and this is this is great. And I appreciate you making the time, man, because Eric and I we do our best to understand as much football as we possibly can. But we it, like the 
the amount of football knowledge that you have it, compared to us is just astronomical, and it's it's great because this is a learning experience, and this has been extremely informative. I, I feel better, and I feel smarter just by having you on the podcast, which is I the goal. I just want to clarify, I don't do my best. That's all. <laughs> I absolutely don't. Uh, okay, but I'm just going to do lightning round. I'm going to knock them out and uh, get it going. So let's start with you, Croc, for each one. We got first up, Giants and Bears. Who do you got? Bears. Yeah, what we got from you, Chase? Giants. I think this continues with the Bears. The Bears are the Bears are awful. But then again, is Jake Fromm starting for the Giants again this week? What what is happening with the Giants? Is it I don't even know who's gonna be under center. I give me the Bears actually. Get throw back to the Bears. I don't know who's under center for the Giants. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And then we got Jaguars and Patriots. Mm. Patriots. Big bounce back game. The Pats? Two straight losses after their start. Uh, they need this one. This is that the Jaguars are just what the Pats needed. Yeah, they were just what the 49ers needed. Yeah, they're a nice tune-up game. Oh. Yeah, I am absolutely going to take the Patriots. Uh, we got Rams and Ravens. Kind of an interesting game because the Rams don't really need to win as much. What do you, got? What do you think? Uh, I think they do. They want to. They want to shore up the NFC West. They want to make sure that they have that home uh, that home field advantage to start the playoffs. So I'm going with the Rams, but Ooh. it's tough because the, the Ravens had a lot of players out last week. Do they get those players back off of the COVID list? If so, well, that can definitely that change rule, things. Right? And also Lamar Jackson. That new five-day rule is yeah. 10 days. So I think that they're going to get probably all their COVID but Lamar was a non-COVID injury or COVID yeah, guy. Right. He was an actual injury. So it depends on, I think, if what Lamar is looking like this week. Right. But I don't know. It kind of sucks that their season may have ended because of COVID. Like, they were just out so many dudes in an important AFC North game, and they just got blasted by the Bengals. So the Bengals might have won the division on a technicality. Um, but that's just how this the season's gone. Uh, actually, give me the Ravens here. I think they're going to fight back hard. And I think the Rams are due for a dumb loss here. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm going to go Rams, and I'm going to be very upset about it. Um, we have Bucks and Jets next. <laughs> Hard one. Mm. I think this will be closer than people think, but I, I do think the Bucks will. I don't win. Oh, oh, you think the Bucks blow them out again? Back-to-back blowouts for Tampa Tom? Yeah. Speak, speaking of blowouts, Bills and Falcons. Oh, my God. Okay, folks, I'm going to win you a lot of money here. Um bet the bills covering the falcons are i don't know what it is guess what take it guess what take it the falcons are not covering this game they are getting blitzed and they are losing this game by whatever the point total is the spread for this one 13 and a half points is it 13 and a half yeah oh my god like I, Vegas knows. I'm telling you, Vegas knows how the Falcons play good teams and bad teams. Um, yeah, no, I'd still take the Bills here. Uh, there's zero chance Falcons win this football game. Oh, I'm assuming we're all taking the Bills, so let's move on. The Chiefs and Bengals. Uh, Ooh. What do you got, Croc? Ooh, I do like this game, but the, the, the Chiefs, I mean, they are on fire. I feel like the Bengals, they're still in that transition. I, I like them. Good team, but I, I gotta go Chiefs. Who's at home? Chiefs? It really Bengals. doesn't matter. I'm taking Chiefs. Okay. I'm going Chiefs too, but 
I would not be the least bit surprised the Bengals are in this game late or they just outright win it. I, the Bengals have a lot of momentum right now, and they're a confident football team. And I, I don't know. Uh, the, the Chiefs, do they have the secondary to match up with uh, what the Bengals are going to throw out here? defense is very good. Yeah. The pass well, rush, wait, but are you? Do you trust the secondary? Get banged up too. I think he's fine. I think he's going to play. But did mm. he get banged up a little? Yeah. This, the, last week he did. He was yeah, looping yeah. around. Um, he, he tweeted that he was uh, Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I I will tell you this, Croc. Me and me and I, I'm obviously a Duck fan, so I'm a big Herbert fan, and and Chase has been a big Burrow fan. We've been going back and forth really since they got drafted on who's mm. better. Um, if Joe Burrow wants to be the type of legend that he was in college to to come out and just absolutely I mean this is the game right if yeah. Joe Burrow can come out and beat the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes in an exciting fashion that's enough momentum to make very very big damage very big waves in the playoffs so I don't think it happens um, but I will be calling out sick from the pod if it does. <laughs> also, shout out to Joe Burrow for being honest about why winning in Cincinnati is easy because there's no nightlife. So he has more time to hang out and study the playbook that he's just hanging out. He's it's it's easy to stay focused in Cincinnati. I, I like that. That's a good pitch for uh, free agents and young players is like, hey, come here. You'll you have nothing else to do but study the playbook and become a better football player. I couldn't, and then for this is a weird game. So a team that's punching above their weight and kind of like exceeding expectations, and a team that's really not. Uh, we got the Dolphins and the Titans. This is where it ends for Miami, right, Eric? Yeah, the Dolphins and the Titans. You know what, man? I'm still just not a believer in the Titans. I know they beat the 49ers. I, I'm not going to say they beat the 49ers. I think Jimmy Garoppolo kind of literally handed them the game. So I'm going to take Miami. I think they're going to continue it. I like the way they're playing defense. They're flying around. Everybody's playing inspired ball. Uh, I'm going to take Miami. I'm going to take Miami in that game. Nine straight. Crazy. Man. I, I've taken Miami too. And I'm not even a big Miami th- believer. Um, I certainly don't think they're seven wins in a row good. But the Titans to me all year have been a team that have their best players gone. A.J. Brown comes back and has an incredible game against the 49ers. Um, I just don't know that they can do it again. The the Dolphins have a good defense. Mm. I'm going Titans here. Titans at home. Go, go, go. And then Raiders and Colts, kind of a weird game too. Hmm. Colts, uh, they're not going to have Car. Well, Carson, I guess it depends, but it doesn't look good because I don't, I don't think he's one of the vaccinated quarterbacks in the NFL. He's right? not, so he he's will need ten days. Yeah, so he's least. gone for this one. Um, God, that's tough. And like the biggest time, like they need these wins. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that people talked about with guys that are unvaccinated, and and it, hey, it's free will and all that good stuff, and it, and it sounds great until. Your season is on the line, and now you're not going to be playing in the game. So. Do, you, yeah. do you think? Do you think that Jim Irsay is going to show up to Carson Wentz with house with a shotgun? <laughs> like, can you imagine Jim Irsay right now looking at this and like, if you, if you, I can't, I can't swear on this pod. If you screwed these playoffs up for me, <laughs> like, ooh. 
I mean, they already lost the first round pick because he's played enough games. So the Eagles are getting that pick no matter what because Carson's appeared in the, uh, just enough games to uh, give them that first pick. Um, all that being said, I still love this Colts defense and I still love Jonathan Taylor, um, the dark horse MVP candidate. So give me give me the Colts to win here. Um, You're going Raiders. Oh, uh, man, it's tough. I mean, the Raiders almost lost to Nick Mullins mm-hmm. and the Browns, so... The the tough thing who's the is the the, the quarterback uh, Ellinger? Uh Sam Ellinger, yeah. Yeah, oh my god. So yeah, uh yeah, I gotta go with the Raiders. Okay. Yeah. What if you just yeah, do I'm... Wildcat with Jonathan Taylor the whole game and you just have him and uh Naheem Hines just Well uh... you can use Ellinger to do Wildcat That's true. all he did at Texas. <laughs> uh I will say this. I'll take the Raiders here. It is it is even at Indy. So I mean if they were able to stave off uh, a loss without the starting quarterback. I think the Raiders are the team to to, to allow that to happen. Um, but that said, I just I I think this whole COVID situation and what's being gone, I think it's going to shake things up a bit. Um, so I'm going to take the Raiders. All right, where are we going next? Eagles and uh, the football team. Whew. The fortunes have changed here. The Eagles blowing him out. Jalen Hurts with that awesome post-game answer about why he missed Dallas Godard in the end zone. Um, Jalen Hurts is just an easy dude to root for. And this Eagles season's been a lot of fun. You know essentially what he was saying, right? Yeah. Like, everybody thinks because somebody's open, like, oh, because he's open, I'm supposed to see that. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's basically someone busted the coverage. But quarterbacks have reads and progressions. So if your progressions are to one side and it's a timing throw and the ball has to get out of your hands now to a certain guy, if you if a coverage is busted backside of that, you're never gonna see it. You're just not gonna see it. Yeah. yeah you, I wish I wish you could I wish I could type that out, print it, tape it to a baseball bat and hit 49ers fans <laughs> in the face with that tweet. Or with that, with what you just said, because yeah. the same thing they the do a lot of time. Look at this guy open. Look at this guy open. It's like, dude, if that wasn't the, part of his recent progressions, he's not going to get there. The amount of 49ers fans that literally just YouTube game film and then just go, the guy's open. Like, that's what I talk about when I've said so many times on Twitter, like, yeah, I'm glad that you're trying to learn how to read film and watch film, but like, there's a reason why you're not getting paid to do this. And I I appreciate you saying that because it doesn't mean they're wrong every time, but there are so many things that go into these things. And for Kyle to be one of the most literally complex, uh, you know, in-depth play callers in the NFL for casual fans to be like, Oh, I I know what, what's happening. Just hilarious. I'm sorry. There are certain times you could see like, yeah, the ball is definitely probably supposed to go over here, but there are a lot of times where like, you know, you got to understand too, the human element of things, missing things, uh, you know, the pass rush, how that can speed up your uh, your decision making. You know, there are a lot of factors that go into it. Mm. Uh, well, what's your pick, Croc? Do you uh, do you have Washington or Philly here? I'm gonna go with Washington. I, I think uh, Henneke, He's gonna come. He's gonna have a bounce back game. He didn't play. In the uh, recent matchup between those two teams, right? That was a few weeks ago, right? A couple mm. weeks ago. Yeah. So he didn't. He didn't play. It was someone else. So I, I think they're gonna have a bounce back game with him. He has to have a bounce back game. I mean, they just got total, totally like just trashed by the yeah. Cowboys. Don't see that happening again. So I'm gonna go with uh, the Washington Football Team. Oh, okay. 
Uh, I'm going to go Eagles because I just I don't think Washington can score enough. I think this offense is just really limited in what they can do. Um, all that being said, Randy Gregory rolling around uh, next to Taylor Heineke was objectively one of the funniest things I've seen on a football <laughs> field in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that, that was great. Uh, give me the Eagles here. Yeah, I'm taking the Eagles too. Uh, Broncos, Chargers. I got Chargers. It's, they need a bounce back, and this is how they get it. Hmm. I, I, I'm going Chargers too, but I also will say, um, have you seen, what was, like, maybe you can't even say this, Eric, but the, the blow up with uh, McManus and Vic Fangio, have you ever seen a special teamer uh, get mad and get fiery like that on a football field or on a practice field? Have you ever seen a kicker get that mad at, a, at his coach? No, I, I didn't see it. What happened? There was, like, di- miscommunication as to, like, there was some kind of penalty or something. I didn't watch that particular Broncos game, but there was the clip of him just screaming at Vic Fangio. Um, he missed the kick, and I forgot what happened. I think they were rushed onto the field last... There, something was weird, and he was just going off and uh, on Fangio. But I've never seen a kicker like that go at a coach. Oh, wow. Not, uh... <laughs> I like it, though. It's uh, something you don't see very often. We're... we're do you have Broncos or Chargers here? Chargers. Okay. Broncos just can't score points. Defense is actually playing very well. Yeah. You know, Fangio's going to have that going on. Um, all right. And then, uh, Chase, who you got? Oh, Texans. Oh, yeah, because this is Texans Niners. I'm going to guess both y'all go. But he, Eric, we learned tonight, it's a big Davis Mills guy. So, I don't know. Uh, is it a sure I thing? I like the Davis Mills coming yeah. out. So Davis Mills, real quick, he was the guy. Uh, I and I, I tweeted this out. I have to find the tweet, but I said that I would rather have. And this was the 49ers picking at twelve. I would rather have Davis Mills second round. You know he went third round, but I would rather have Davis Mills second round than Mac Jones at twelve hmm. because I thought he was a guy that had all the ability to do the things that Mac Jones had. But I thought he had a little bit more like just natural ability, like just a, a naturally bigger arm. Uh, more athleticism. His his biggest knock that I saw when evaluating his film was more so the decision making. But he's a guy that only started 14 games in college. So I thought if he can if he can just clean that up. He was a little kind of J- Jimmy Garoppolo where he he throws some really nice passes, slants, timing, played under center, turn his back to a defense. He could drive the ball down the field. I thought he could do it all. But then he'd make some boneheaded throws. And I thought that was an area where he needed to improve. Something in. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. And then, so, I mean, I think we can all say the 49ers, that's fair. Um, yeah, I'm going 49ers here. I just want to say straight off, because it is the Seahawks, Lions win. Oh. Terrible. Full implosion. Lions oh win. man, no, I can't do this. I can't do the the Lions on the road here in Seattle. Even though Seattle's been like weirdly bad at home this year, I I don't know. I, I'm still gonna go Seahawks. Yeah, yeah, Seahawks. I can't take the Lions over the Seahawks. As someone who watched Tim Boyle this week, um, if he's playing quarterback again, uh, just I, I you can't bet bet in favor of the Detroit Lions. Jared Goff owns the Seahawks. All right, all right, all right. I'm assuming we all have the Cowboys slapping uh, the Cardinals. No, I'm actually going Cardinals here. They cannot. This this slide cannot keep going. I, I think uh, the Cowboys went too high. They flew close, too close to the sun, feeling too good. 
everyone's all in on the Cowboys. I don't think the Cardinals slide continues. I don't think the Cardinals have it in them. Oh, well, we're going to learn. That's why this game's good. I'm excited for this one. I want to know. Uh, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. And I think the big thing for me with Dallas, they do a really good job of taking the ball away. I think that's Mm. underrated. Everybody talks about just the sweet players that they have. And obviously, you know, Parsons, he's having an amazing rookie year. But really, the Cowboys, they just take the ball away at a high rate. So I think that would be the difference in this game. Mm. I'm on an island. Cliff, I hope you're listening. Um, Panthers and Saints. God, that's not a game I plan on watching. I'm not watching one second of Panther Saints. Not one second, but I guess Saints. Who's their quarterback? Is it is is it still Ian Book? Uh, yeah, I think it's still Ian Book. Oh gosh. I mean, even Taysom Hill. It's not better with Taysom. Like either way, it's you're better. I mean, better. Yeah. (laughs) I, I. It's been so long now that I think we can finally just stop talking about it. So I don't even know why I'm saying it. But never, ever has it been louder in my head that Colin Kaepernick not having a job right now is absolutely insane. And I know it's dead. I know we're done. But in my head. When I was watching Ian Book, it was screaming. It's yeah. not even just that. There's just there's been a lot of QB play all over the league um, this year. Where yeah, especially with the the backups and everything else. Yeah, it's 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 been a problem in a lot of different cities, but especially New Orleans since Jameis went down. Cool. Um, I, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Panthers. I don't know why. Big Matt Rule guy, Evan Swords. All right, uh, and I'm assuming who are we taking? Did I catch that? Oh, I'm. Uh, we're. But I'm going Saints. Oh yeah, Panthers. Oh, I'm on an eye with the Saints. Okay. All right, and then Vikings Packers. Hmm. This is going to be dumb close. This is going to be a stupid game. This is going to be, be, yeah. It's going to be a divisional game. It's going to be one of those games that the Packers should should win, but it'll be a division game, so they'll play close. Yeah, well, they'll play close, but Packers still win. So I'll say the Packers win, but I will not be surprised if the Vikings win this football game. Mike Zimmer is committed to this back and forth and keeping every game close and weird. Uh, I, I could see this being a Vikings Kirk, weird, dumb win. Kirk, Kirk Cousins is not winning... He's not beating Aaron Rodgers in December. It's, it's just not going to happen. And then finally, January. Can he beat him in January, though? No. The bigger the game gets, the worse the more I <laughs> this game is in January. That's wild. We're in January. January. Oh, excuse, yeah, wow. Oh, my gosh. That is correct. Hey, new year, next year. Um, this will probably be one of the most – Alcohol consum- consuming games for any of the on this slate, the Browns and the Steelers. More people will get drunk watching this game than any other football game. Guaranteed. Is this a Sunday night game? Uh, I believe so, yeah. How is it not flexed? <laughs> uh where where are you going, Eric? Browns. Steelers I- just so bad right now. Yeah. This is Monday night. Sunday night is Green Bay, Minnesota. Um, I'm going to go. I mean, I guess I'm going Cleveland, but I don't feel good about this at all. You know, I will say that I know where I'm going, and it's to bed. I will be going to bed. I will not be watching this game. 
Uh, I am so ready for an NFL without Ben Roethlisberger. It, I need it. I need it. it. I never thought after watching the final few games of Peyton Manning's career when his arm was just gone, I never thought I'd see something sadder than that. And this is just it. This is not that bad. Oh, it's worse. No, Peyton Manning. I mean, he couldn't throw the ball ten yards down the field unless he threw it at the very snap of the ball. Man, won like, a Super Bowl though. Snap, he just catch it and throw it. He can get out there fifteen yards. That Aside man won that, a Super Bowl with a nine to seventeen touchdown to interception ratio. Legendary yeah. stuff. No, he I, was so bad. He was so bad. He got benched for Brock Osweiler. I mean, I just you, listen. The fact that Dwayne Haskins hasn't played football this year after having like a reasonably good preseason and like people talked about him a lot in preseason about how the Steelers kind of liked him. The fact that he hasn't like. Well, they oh. played somebody and that somebody lost to the Detroit Lions or tied the Detroit Mason Lions. Rudolph. They, yeah, they, they tried something. They didn't work either. No, they, they've had Bad time, record. though. They've had time to plan for the Ben Roethlisberger exit. They've had years and opportunity to replace him, but um, they have not done so. Croc, uh, we'll leave you with this. We'll leave you with this. This is the last thing, and we'll go. One New Year's resolution. What What do you got for us? What is one thing you're thinking about going into 2022? Eat healthier. Okay. I like it. Evan's pretty clean eater. As I'm about to warm up this cinnamon bun. Cinnamon bun. <laughs> Cinnamon, cinnamon, but that—that's it, though. I'm, I'm eating. You know, it. Everything else is has been. I've been working towards a lot of things, and all those things are on the up and up. I had goals like I was like, hey man, I want to make ten thousand dollars off my streaming stuff, you know, by December. Like I've surpassed that. So I've been hitting all my goals, and I'm still, you know, striving for those things. But the the one thing when you get so busy with everything else and training the athletes and stuff like that. You forget to take care of yourself sometimes. So eat better, take care of myself. Uh, I can do a better job of doing that. That's, that's my goal. I like it. I like it. Well, tell the good folks how they keep up with your work and everything else uh, going into this week and what you got in store and uh, how to support Eric Crocker and uh, and everything else. Oh, yeah. Eric Crocker uh, at, Eric, at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. And I will plug everything else, but I think from there you can find everything else I'm doing. Locked on 49ers, locked on NFL draft. Uh my my uh, San Francisco 49 morning show on YouTube. I think if you type in Eric Crocker, it should pop up. So, uh, yeah, you guys can find all that on my Twitter account, at Eric underscore Crocker. There you go. I like it. Find Evan at Burner underscore Swords, keeping the, the latest account alive. Hopefully, yeah. we keep that alive for another week on Twitter.com. I, I, I can't stress it enough, Croc. I mean, we're going on like eight years now. Uh, it, it, it's been a pleasure, man. And I, I'm, I'm always enjoying being able to chat with you about football. I'm glad to see you thriving. Uh, really, really appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks, man. Anytime, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.